What's up, guys? Welcome back to Kind of Funny's Transformers in Review. That's right. We are ranking and reviewing every movie in the Transformers universe. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by Nick underscore Scarpino. Hello. How's it going? It's going very, very good. Kevin, the big dog, Coelho. Whoa, 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 whoa. And the Nitro Rifle himself, Andy Cortez. Good morning, everybody. I had a really good sleep. I'm really happy about it. Proud of you, I, did, I did not. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. It was like weirdly hot, cold, hot, cold last night. Not happening. Not enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Want a do-over. I'm going to do a do-over tonight. Okay. Here we are, six <laughs> movies into the Transformers universe. Will they finally get good? The answer, everyone, is yes. Yes, they do. Yes, yes, they, yes they finally do. get good. Very exciting yeah. stuff. You can watch the show live on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. Uh, every week, every Friday, we do Transformers. Every Tuesday, we do one of the Kevin Smith movies. Uh, next week, we are doing Dogma. And then we will be closing out Transformers with Transformers, the animated movie uh, from 1986. And I'm very excited you about that as well. Uh, you can watch live on Twitch. You can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunny or roosterteeth.com. You can also listen to this by searching for Kind of Funny Reviews on your favorite podcast service, and we will be there. Um, if you want to get the show ad-free, you can go to patreon.com slash kindoffunny, just like our Patreon producers did. Mohammed Mohammed, Cameron Reagan, Steve Powers, Lee Polero, Julian the Gluten-Free Gamer, who has a ridiculous story that we tell in the beginning of Kind of Funny Games cast. You can go check that out now on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. Uh, Kieran O'Donnell, Dear Drew Garnier, and Al Tribesman, thank you all very much for your love, for your support. That's Today, really cool, Nick. we're talking about bumblebee yeah we are what a Tim. goddamn fun movie that was <laughs> it's, holy it's, shit the whole time it's almost like someone was like why don't we this is a wild card this is this is gonna be a wild bet why don't we hire someone who actually likes transformers to direct this movie <laughs> who like remembers transformers from like i don't know any of the cartoons that have preceded this movie and like why don't we hire a writer who i don't know wants to write a three-dimensional character who actually has like desires and wants and needs and is you know having to get over something in her past it all kind of works out guys it's crazy yeah. yeah what about what about a team that uh doesn't apparently get paid bonuses for making the movie longer that'd be cool two, just a shy under two hours this movie and and let me tell you Haley seinfeld just a delight to just watch on delight. screen Good chemistry with Bumblebee. Great actor. John Cena, not playing it too serious. Get, injecting a little bit of humor where humor's due. Sector 7. I would say. Not, I think John it was. Cena was a waste in this movie. I thought I think he was pretty he was, bad. Uh, yeah. I don't think he was fun. bad. I just think I, I'm with Tim. I think he was underutilized for sure. But like, I what, what what's so fun to me about it is like Sector 7, right? Is just the right amount of like, like ominous tone and kind of weird like they, I think that I think this whole movie stylistically works for me across the board, and I think that the fact that they they threw a couple nods the old like the 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 Michael Bay movies to come through, not the least of which was I think that like I don't know if this was done on purpose, but like the town they come from is like called Bayview or whatever it is, like um, I don't know if that was a reference to Michael Bay. Uh, Simmons is in this as well. Simmons is in this. You Simmons guys might comes in, but just for one thing, and he looks like a young John Turturro. <laughs> so they so they so Travis Knight obviously working and being like let's let's. Let's not like completely sever ties, but what I think this movie feels like it is 
it, it was made purposefully for a specific demographic of people. And those people are people who want a good story who might skew a little younger and who also actually remember Transformers and are okay with them being cars that turn into robots and not giant piles of metal. And like, I just, I just feel like the style of this movie across the board worked for me. It's a beautiful thing. You'll love to see it directed or released on December 21st, 2018 directed by Travis Knight. Now, Travis Knight, you might know him. He's an American animator, producer, director. And I learned this today, former rapper, who has worked as the lead animator for stop-motion animation studio Leica, producing Paranorman and Box Trolls before directing the film Kubo and the Two Strings, which if you guys haven't seen, is fantastic. You Kubo's, a, sure. Kubo's a bad motherfucker. Kubo is a bad motherfucker. Even, just, bad the make, motherfucker. even just the making of that movie is really, really fun to watch. They, so they cool. that little thing in the credits that is just so like, whoa. There's so much effort put into every second of this movie. Oh, it's stunning. It's one of those things where, like, stop motion is you have to really, really commit because that's like three years of your life for stop motion. <clears throat> and there's, and, 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 Kevin, do you ever just think when they're doing stop motion, there's something in the back of their mind of like, we could just fucking do this with a computer? We could just fucking, <laughs> well, this could like, be like done on a computer for five stuff. seconds. Like it does do, a, like, Oh, I, I, oh, I, I know, I know. They do all the stuff. But I'm just saying, like this. Absurd, I see them like yeah. they, they do one little digit, and then they take a picture of it, and then they do, it, and then it takes them like an hour to do another frame. And I'm like, you guys, this is why God made it. computers. It's not worth it. You guys aren't like, winning Oscars. But we got to go over to sector sector seven and use one of their seven cray computers. <laughs> That's such a great reference. But yeah, but my favorite thing here is yeah, he's a rapper, and I, I YouTubed it to to clarify this. And yeah, he, in the '90s, he was a rapper that you know wasn't majorly successful, but. There's a, way more views than you'd expect on these videos of him rapping, and it's just like, oh shit, he committed, he committed. See, Tim, um, you can, you too can be a rapper and then I, I a YouTuber can. and then turn into the person that directs Starscream. And then, oh my god, oh my god, I, mean, the shit. I love it. A budget I mean, of 130 million dollars and a box office, uh, despite being the lowest grossing Transformers film in the series with a worldwide gross of 468 million, it was still considered a box office success following the failure of Transformers: The Last Night which reportedly lost $100 million for the company's uh, runtime of an hour and 54 minutes. And thank God for that. This is Bumblebee, ladies and gentlemen. I am so happy this movie exists. It's not a perfect movie. I, I feel like it definitely is as good as it is because it came after all this trash. In a lot of ways, I wish it came first. I wish that this movie oh, was this. Oh, my God. Yeah, I wish this came first for sure. <laughs> but, but more than that, though, it's, it's not just this movie in the beginning. I, I wish this that the idea of this movie came first because I feel like it coming after all the other ones still left this one with some stuff that isn't ideal. Like, we get these these bad guys. They're not Starscream. They're not the characters that we we know and love and it's kind of it's kind of weird that they're there and all the sector seven stuff kind of feels they were fine they were totally fine like they were like i i'd say they were arguably the best bad guys we've gotten so far where it's like all right their motivation makes sense they want to find bumblebee and like he likes killing people and she likes giving orders great you know but my problem is they ultimately are disposable and that's totally shown in this movie when they're just disposed of way too easily um but but in really cool ways though yeah, but that's how it always happens, right? Like Marvel always does that, where and and I think that's why that's taking the out of Marvel. Yeah, this is like uh, what we call a fucking coffee bacon boy. That's what these uh, from uh, from Civil War. Like that's what these characters are. They're they're coffee bacon boy. Remember bacon the guy? guy? Yeah, bacon yeah, yeah, like yeah, number yeah. three. You mean number number three on the ragu bagu list? 
exactly right but that guy that guy's a perfect example of like you write that character you write a compelling bad guy and then you he's done right maybe you bring him back later you don't know but that's like not, we every that's not the case right like they're bringing him well, back that's what i'm saying like the basis of a whole series is he yeah winter soldier he he's yeah. like getting out baron zima oh you mean the the tv show that that was? the tv show yeah, yeah. oh Okay, bad example. Let's let's pick another example. Any bad guy that's that's in a standalone Marvel movie is what I'm talking about. Like the problem with the original uh, Transformers movies is they have every single time it can't be Megatron being right. the bad guy every single time. It's just not fun anymore. You have to build up to that. And to your and to your point, Tim, I wish this was the first movie because in a lot of ways, it's a much 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 smaller movie, a much more intimate story that we're telling, and it's just hey bumblebee and this human and it's the relationship between them and we have these two characters who are yeah to to a degree slightly generic uh, generic characters but played very well by two very 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 good actors who are justin Theroux and fucking angela bassett who they oh, got to be the bad guy i realize that and so like yeah they elevate it a little bit and and but but they are just these peons they are they are just like these lieutenants in megatron's army who are sent who just happened to have picked up the signal as they're like massacring Cliff Jumper on uh, like the moon of Saturn or whatever the fuck. It uh, is. A fun fact there, like it's it's been an ongoing kind of like joke that Cliff Jumper always dies in the more modern takes of Transformers. And in Transformers Prime, the CG animated series that came out in like 2008 or whatever, uh, Cliff Jumper is in the first episode and dies, voiced by The Rock. Awesome. <laughs> so like if we're gonna kill him, let's just fucking get The Rock let's kill him the right way the voice for like one episode. But yeah, I what mean, I would have, uh, I enjoyed this movie. I uh, it it. Immediately it starts off and the tone hits you in a way where you know that this movie is different. This is not going to be like the other pieces of shit that have come before this. Immediately it just it it feels it feels good to watch. Uh, and I couldn't help but thinking of like when we first saw the um, Detective Pikachu in theaters. Like that's what this should have been. This should have been the first time that we are introduced to this stuff on the screen because it like. As somebody who isn't a Transformers fan, like you know, I don't, I didn't grow up with them. I don't really have a whole lot of a, of um, I guess I don't know. I, I never owned toys or anything like that. But seeing that first sort of fight on on oh, screen, Andy, you missed out, dude. The toys were fucking the best part. I bet, yeah. But like the 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 animation style, the models of the characters, it just felt good, you know. And it didn't feel cheesy or shitty or like. It, it you could tell whoever was making this gave a shit, you know. Well, that's the thing, right? You look at these, you look at the models, and obviously now it's a no brainer. But you can understand a, a little bit if you put yourself in the mindset of like the Warner Brothers execs and the um, or is it Paramount? It's Paramount, right? Paramount. Paramount execs and Michael Bay, where they must have looked at renderings or drawings of the original models and been like. This doesn't feel. We have to bring this up into the modern era. So I don't. I don't like. I, lo I love shitting on Michael Bay for the terrible designs of the first five movies. But I understand why they maybe thought they needed to feel that, given that you know they started producing these in like the early two thousands. But looking back at it, like it's it was a risk. But that first scene on Cybertron, where everything looks and feels like a live action Transformers movie for the very very first time shouldn't work as well as it does and it's possible that i'm bringing a level of nostalgia into this that is very 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 high but when i see fucking sound wave and then like there's a scene later where they flash back and fuck and uh, uh what's it ravage pops ravage. out of his chest and he says I'm like, it too that is so, so fucking cool fucking cool but there's just there's something about it that when they that by committing to that style across the board 
it just works. If they had backed off of it even 2%, I don't think it would have worked. But the fact that they all look like they used to look, Optimus looks like he used to look, Bumblebee looks like similar to how he used to look. It just is awesome. It's I think so what's really cool. cool. I think what I really enjoyed was the fact that when we were watching Cybertron and we we're seeing all these characters, it looks like a CG animated movie. It looks yeah. like it looks like a, a DreamWorks or a Blue Sky Pixar sort of thing. And you wonder how is this going to translate to the real world? And it works fine. It works great. Like seeing those two characters, seeing Bumblebee interact with everybody else. I think again, I, I think like the the first half of the movie starts off really, really good. And I think it I think it tapers off towards the end and it gets just like insanely cheesy, but still good and kind and warm hearted. And it made me feel good and happy and, and yeah. funny in some moments, you know. What I like that, about this is obviously the part to me is is like so so important to my life and like so key where I never thought that I would see that in live action and sure it's CG but you guys know what I'm talking about yeah. like seeing Transformers trying to be look like they're real right like the cartoon versions and I think that it works because it's shown so limitedly in comparison to Earth and they commit so much to this cartoon aesthetic that you believe more in the war and you understand the war more <clears> in <throat> five minutes from this movie than five movies that like. 10 freaking hours of the other movies right and it's just because they present it they throw you in you don't need to know all the characters but you clearly get the sides and then they focus in on bumblebee they focus in on prime just via the hologram messages and the exposition there is all you need to know to let this thing kind of move i'll never forget watching this in theaters because i've like i've said the last three weeks like i did not go to see last night in theaters or i was like fuck this i'm over these movies this one i love kubo so i was like I'm, I'm going to watch this. This honestly looks like they're trying to do something different. And me, me and Gia went to see it in theaters, and she had never seen any of the Transformers anything. So she didn't really give a shit at all. Um, but we went in there, and we sat down in the theater. The movie starts, and there's this Cybertron scene. And I was literally shaking in the theater because I did not expect them to go that hard. Hearing the voices, hearing like that shot of Soundwave where he looks fucking perfect. And then he says, like, Decepticons attack in the modulated voice. It's just like... Oh my God, they give a fuck. They understand what makes this shit special. Yeah. And Optimus coming in, fucking shooting motherfuckers down, transforming into the truck and all that shit. It's just like, in five minutes, you just did everything the other movies did better, faster, stronger, harder, all of it. And it's just the shot when they, when Bumblebee's leaving Cybertron and he's in the little pod and he's like looking back at this fucking, his planet being like destroyed. And it up. just looks perfect it looks who exactly like it did in the cartoon who voiced bumblebee the voice of bumblebee uh was dylan o'brien who is from the maze runner oh that dude oh, okay yeah. okay okay yeah um yeah i mean i just I, just a second that like it's um well i lost my train of thought Let's i i do, do want to say that i um i feel like this movie had some of those same issues that the other transformer movies had transformy Transformer movies Transform had for me, where, yeah. like Transformy is where, the plural of Transformers. Yeah, when Bumblebee doesn't have his voice, he's a completely different person. Yeah. Like, I, like I, I couldn't have pictured a Dylan O'Brien voiced character doing the stuff with the puppy and being well, scared in the corner. Well, but that was his, trying his, to explain that. his whole memory, memory wipes and shit. Yeah, yeah. he was I, like a child. Basically, I thought they did a good job explaining that with the memory wipe, where it was like, all right, yeah, it's clean. I mean, he they kind of made it seem like he was younger to begin with. Like the way the yeah, other no, people were talking about it. definitely him. sounded like a younger soldier or whatever, but like but there is a part where Optimus is like, doesn't he say old friend at one point or 
Well, they're yeah. old, old friends. Like we're all old friends, even though we're all spry and young. Know what I'm talking yeah. about? Twenty yeah. years old. No, Andy, I, I totally agree with you. I, I really dislike the the like. I, I'm a baby that doesn't understand what's the, going the on. The big hero six feels sort of right. stuff. Yeah, yeah, the big hero six iron giant thing. You know, I didn't. I didn't have a problem with that. What I actually, what I remember responding to in theaters, and then also just doing again once I watched this movie a second time was I don't know why they felt the need to have this weird like relationship between her and memo they don't have any chemistry she doesn't seem like this character doesn't seem like she likes him that on that level and it was i just think it's kind of weirdly shoehorned in there where i wish that had just been a a second friend that was in the neighborhood that they could have bonded with i don't know why they needed they didn't have like the romance in this just i don't i don't need it at all like it didn't work for me i didn't need I, him at all like i feel like he yeah. was only in this movie because they decided to have bumblebee not talk and they needed Another Someone voice. To, no, yeah. I like. I did like the one line, the very, at <laughs> the very, very end. Where he's like, "Can you call my mom?" <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, I got a really good chuckle out of that. But also, I mean, the dude's just breaking and entering. Like, what's this guy's deal? Yeah, he's bro, you can't just enter, walk into someone's house. He's just entering houses. Jesus Christ, dude. Uh, um, I like the little. Well, no, I like the. I thought the the moment at the end where he goes to like hold her hand and she's like, "I'm not there yet," and it was like, "Wow, that is weird." Like, why? Like, commit to having the relationship or not? Right. But I mean, like, but that's that's that was was so weird about it. As I'm like, um, at first, I'm like, I, I I really feel like potentially maybe they watched the dailies back of the first two acts and were like, there's no chemistry between these kids. Like, and she doesn't like at no point do they come close to. I guess at one point they kind of he tries to kiss her. She, and she's she like, oh, I guess it was the end, right? She kisses his What's, cheek. Yeah, she kissed like him on the, the cheek. The but that's like, act. hey, we're friends, and maybe I'm just not into you at all. Well, it, it, um, it definitely felt like. Hey, I'm not into you, but uh, here's a kiss for good luck, and it's just a little kiss, yeah, and he's just like, this is my friendship. first kiss. I love this. I will say the thing that the thing I liked most about this was watching it back. And you know, when you see you see executive producer Steven Spielberg, you're gonna get you get a range of emotions when you're an '80s kid like me. Part of me is like, oh, good, he must have overseen this whole series and really made this one work because it feels a lot like E.T. and it feels a lot like classic Spielberg movies where it's a kid going on this crazy adult adventure with this magic. crazy magical MacGuffin thing. Um, and there's, you know, I mean, a lot of parallels, right? There's a bunch of government agents constantly chasing after her as she's trying to save this extraterrestrial being. Um, and so that worked here. But man, I'll tell you, Steven Spielberg must have taken a nice 15 year vacation from the last five of these movies because he just <laughs> does not. That, that, that Spielbergian touch Definitely, you can you can see that in this, and I don't, I don't know if it's just Travis Knight. I don't yeah, know if it's Travis Knight just paying Travis. homage to it or not, but yeah, yeah. Uh, well, another fun thing is uh, this was the first Transformers movie that was entirely shot in the like full frame, so uh, that was another thing that added to it, kind of feeling like a cartoon and feeling more like a big scale TV thing, and I, I enjoyed that because it, it it made the scale feel a lot bigger. Yeah, definitely. You're talking about it was it was actually shot in sixteen nine. Well, yes, yeah. And it, it, it looked the entire thing. So there was no like cutting back and forth. And it was like last night, you should take some notes on this. Yeah, very, very few movies actually choose to cut back and forth between aspect ratios, mostly because it's not what you do in a movie. No, you just don't. But when they do, it's because it's a limited IMAX release or a special yeah. IMAX release. And you get the the scenes in the dark night where the Joker is say. flying above the city and it cuts to, you know, or Inception where it's the fools, the planet with the tiny ship, you know, like. Yeah, the only the only director that should be legally allowed to do that by the MPA rules is Christopher Nolan. Yeah. If Michael Bay tries to do that, they should throw him in movie jail. God, I can't wait, man. Um, Nolan in review, baby. Fuck. 
So one one of the little uh, notes I want to give you guys here is Haley Steinfeld was not born until nine years after the setting of this film and had to be taught how to use some of the typical items of the 80s, such as how to work a Walkman, which was completely foreign to her. It's got like two buttons. <laughs> yeah, but, and I was thinking about that. I was like, that seems real stupid. But then no, it's like, no, that I guess seems really stupid. Look, ooh. Look, you hit play and then rewind and fast forward and then there's stop. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not it's not it's four buttons. Four buttons. But like, yeah, it's fun, what's funny about that is it's not like they stopped using that iconography for everything else. Right. Like everything That's has a play and a fast forward and a back. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, but I'm just talking about like Spotify. rewinding cassettes and shit. That bar, that that, that used to confound me when I was a kid too. I'm like, wait, I have to flip this over. So I don't wasn't understand. It, wasn't it the worst when the tape got caught in there? Oh, oh nothing the was scarier than pulling out the tape and be like, oh shit! <laughs> like, no, that was my Milli Vanilli tape. <laughs> Let's get to the plot, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Bumblebee bitches. That's the quote for today. We are on Cybertron, and everything looks as it should. And it is fucking awesome. Like I said before, I don't know why this works. It shouldn't work. It does work. Let's not question things. Let's just just put the food in our bellies. Optimus comes in and starts just fucking wrecking shit and asks, mm. where's B-127? Uh, why are they all cars? Because it's a fucking movie based on a cartoon. That's why, Tim. Why are the bad guys all airplanes that look like from Earth? Because it's a fucking movie based on a cartoon, and it's awesome, and it's world-building, and for some reason, again, it should not work. But then Soundwave comes in and says, Decepticons attack. And I say, fuck you, naysayers. I am in. Cybertron has fallen. Got to get to the escape pods. B wants to fight, but Optimus wants him to find refuge on Earth so that they can set up and establish a base and then regroup there. Uh, Optimus goes, I'm going to buy you some time as you escape. And man, again, I just wrote another note here. Cybertron looks so freaking cool. Um, Bumblebee, uh, Bumblebee jumps in the jet as, as as Optimus literally goes. All right, cool. He's in there, and then jumps Good. off of the side yeah, of does. this landing and lands on a motherfucker who is flying so by. Sick. And they made it. I mean, they made a really smart choice here, right? Is that Optimus is? I'm not going to say Optimus is OP, but having him in this is sort of. <laughs> In my opinion, the equivalent to having Dumbledore step in and fight Harry's battles for him. I like that they were like, we have to find a character that's younger and not as strong because it makes for a more compelling drama when he faces the challenges of having to fight these two uh, bigger, badder foes. Um, So Bumblebee title pops up. And again, I want to call a quick shout out to... And it's got to be from Travis Knight's art direction years or whoever he hired for the production design because all of the graphics in this movie... I don't know if you guys notice this or not, but like even the computer screens and when they when even the Decepticons go to like hack into shit, they're all done in that 80s grid simple style. So instead of having it be like, oh, it's an 80s movie, but holograms stop popping up, it's all still like two dimensional titles like laid in a three dimensional space. It's so fucking cool and so well done. And on top um, of that, like they add they add that element to have like kind of original elements as well for each of the characters. Like Bumblebee's all of his HUD stuff, it's a grid, but it's all like a honeycomb. Yeah, it's cool. That's really, really cool. Uh, After the Bumblebee title, we go to Earth, 1987, the year Beverly Hills Cop 2 came out. John Cena plays Agent Burns, and uh, he's kind of a cool guy, kind of a nice guy, but also kind of a dick because he's embarrassing one of his soldiers here by just shooting him repeatedly with a paint gun, which is why I will hopefully never, ever, ever, ever bring paint guns into our new office because Kevin, I know, will shoot me right in the eye. I will hog tie you and shoot you right in the eye. Constantly in the eye. Constantly in the eye. can shoot his ass down. Oh, my God. I can't fucking wait for the new can. I say this with all sincerity. Andy, you don't have the stuff for that. Kevin, I 100% 100 buy Kevin would do that. But, Andy, you don't have the stuff. You don't have the stuff. Let's prove him wrong. I'll hog tie him, you shoot him. 
I'm down. Uh, let's see. Bumblebee crashed down. That's Bumblebee crashes down right in the middle of them, and then Burn calls it in, thinking it was a live fire drill that his people did to him, but it was not because uh, in a second Bumblebee stands up and runs off into the forest, and he looks. I think he looks awesome. I think the I think the the rendering in this just is so realistic and perfect. So and there's great. just something about him having sort of, especially when he when he apes the the form of uh, the VW bug. There's something that adds to the realism of seeing the headlights and seeing all that stuff here that just makes my mind go, "This this is who this is real. Thought? This works." Who would have thought? Not me. I mean, honestly, honestly, not me. If you said, "Hey, we're doing a live action Transformers movie and they're going to look exactly like they used to," I'm like, ah, "That's kind of that might be super cheesy." But that's why they don't pay me two million dollars to direct movies <laughs> like Armageddon. I did. They pay me zero to watch them for four hours while I eat snacks and write a plot synopsis. I digress. They run off uh, after him. Uh, all of their jeeps come apparently with giant harpoons in the '80s. Harpoons were just the it gun because they just mounted those fucking things on everything. Um, they catch up to him as he runs sort of mind, uh, and they start harpooning his ass. B tells them that he's like, "Listen, this is all a mistake. He doesn't want to hurt anyone." But guess who does? Motherfuckers, Blitzwing. Now. When we saw the trailer, I was like, cool, Starscream's in this. Because it should have been Starscream. It should have been, but also, like, no, but again, were... I understand why. They can't kill these major characters yeah. off, so they got to just have the other characters. Do something. Get them well, out of the way. Like, that doesn't or, make sense. Don't, like... Or, yeah, or don't color him like Starscream. Don't, like, uh, that, has a color design. He should have been purple. I don't know why he was red. That was that was a weird call. Because mm. it was weird. Um, but anyway, I do like Blitzwing... how, they, I do like how uh, both of the villains had different ways of talking like one of them was a more robotic mouth and the other one just sort of lights and then and optimus primes was just his mouthpiece kind of doing that like I, there's perfect. there's a bunch of different touches here that are really cool animation wise you got the touch andy uh let's see blitzwing comes in and lights everyone up with a missile uh b and blitz start duking it up b stabs him a bunch until uh blitzwing shoots him a bunch and then uh he gets it gets the beat on him and says tell me where your friends are hiding and uh, bumblebee says i'll never talk and he goes well let's make it official then and it stabs him right through the voice box so i was like god damn that was scary as shit brutal um, and then yeah then he throws his ass over a cliff uh when b lands on the bottom floor blitzwing catches up with him and goes, hey man, uh, I'm gonna uh, now. I'm really gonna kill your ass. Hey man, <laughs> he says, B one two three. Where are you? Uh, you are hereby sentenced to death. But before you can pull the trigger, uh, B gets uh, the better of him, rips off a little armor piece on his arm, steals one of his missiles, jabs it into his heart, and then falling back, he shoots it with his arm cannon, exploding blitzwing into a, a billion pieces. Uh, Such a cool fight. I love yeah. all this because this is an example of the aspect ratio really working to its advantage. Like getting the entire kind of scene of the cliff and seeing them fall down it, you get a sense of scale of blitzwing versus bumblebee being so small and like you see them standing next to each other like towards the end of it and it's like you do get like the idea that bumblebee's this little guy yeah and especially like, when you're gonna back. have to like outsmart the the decepticon and grabbing the missile and throwing it back it's like that's a cartoon man like that's fucking cool but uh, and also the choreography in this was actually like if you watch how they're fighting i'm like this is interesting choreography that he's flying around he's doing like her karanas and shit on on the enemies at the end and he's pulling like weird ass fucking judo and jiu-jitsu moves that i just respect as a smaller man who has to fight bigger people sometimes um when do you have one to the, fight bigger people in my mind right. in my mind <laughs> you could have um, said you could have said your your judo or whatever you karate what do you do my mind's i karate, karate. Yeah, all right. I've, I've gone back to karate. I'm doing. I'm working on my katas because I can't touch anyone. 
Um, I do. Yeah. I, I don't know if you mentioned this earlier, but that was one of the reasons why, like, uh, the original Avengers movie was shot in 69 because Joss Whedon wanted to really emphasize the the verticality of the frame, which is what yeah. that does for you. It's dope. Um, and it's smart. It was a smart one. Uh, B limps out of the uh, mine area as John Cena, alive but bloody, watches him. Uh, uh, let's see, beat to hell. B falls down to the shoreline of a lake and uh, in a latch this ditch effort to hide himself, he scans the horizon and spots a family with a yellow VW bug. Uh, and then he scans it in as his memory core is basically failing and he's having a massive system failure beat. By the way, they're going to flash this memory core thing a lot because they want you to know he cannot remember where he's from. What's cool about this is uh, when he looks at the different cars, like a, there are a bunch of different references to other Generation 1 Transformers. Like the first van that they're looking at is like Ironhide from the original cool. cartoon. It's cool shit. I love it. I love it. Uh, 8 a.m. motherfuckers, time to get up and go to work or school. I can't remember where she's going. It's Charlie, played by the venerable Haley Seinfeld. Steinfeld. Uh, she wakes up for school and immediately starts playing the fucking slaps. Can we stop for a second and talk about the soundtrack to Bumblebee? Mm. You mm. want to talk about there? I don't. I think it's. I think it's number one soundtrack ever made. That I think it goes. <laughs> for I think it goes the bodyguard soundtrack. <laughs> I think it goes the bodyguard soundtrack. Number one. Sorry, Andy. Uh -huh. it, it does. Uh, number two, Bumblebee. Number three, very close third, Andy. The Spotify official playlist, The Last Dance, which Last I found and it is fucking yeah. awesome. Anyway, sorry, uh, Andy. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> Anyway, he has a lot of perspective on 80s music because he's a huge Simple Minds fan. Anyway, uh, we get a montage of her getting ready in the bathroom, and uh, then she pops out, and we meet mom's new boyfriend, Ron, who seems cool but might also be a pedophile. I know what you guys are thinking. Ron, way too much hair for that beard. Andy, do you trust the man that has that thick of hair but the also density. has a beard? The density is kind of insane Too much. here. But Too also, much. it's I like walking know. out of one forest into another forest. Like, you I see wish what I'm it saying? could have been any other no. actor. Like, really? I feel, I feel like casting this guy was a choice. A, a choice for sure. Right. I wish but it could have been like a, a, a random sort of comedic actor that we all have seen. I wish it was a name. Yeah. Like, it could have been I like, wish it, like, John like a Jason Mastukas or, or John like Hammond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because the problem is, this guy, this guy, he's a good actor. Don't get me wrong. But he is he is basically a one dimensional character that is just there to be the stepdad so that Charlie can get over her dead dad and eventually accept him as as real dad. But we all know you can't trust someone that has that much hair and chooses to have a beard. Um, he also See, I, I liked him because he he wasn't a bad guy. No, yeah. but like, he, I he love, just raises a scene, I love the scene cool of him. Guy. I love the scene of him where he's driving and she's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm, I'm trying to save one of the kids. <laughs> I don't know about the other." It's so fucking funny. I just, I, I'm with Andy though. I wish it was a slightly more notable because this guy kind of comes off as like he also like the other credit he had was a Sprint commercial. You know, like I wish it was yeah. like a Rob Delaney or a Jason Matsukas or something that someone that could have added a little extra dimension to it, but. Yeah, not I had no, not I had no problem with any of the other like actors that we've never no, seen I, before. It's just it's just that like the character that he's playing, he's supposed to be the the stepdad that the daughter hates, but is still like, like a nice. Guy. He's not a he's not a bad dude. Yeah, but he's like it, the know. cool stepdad that's trying really hard to win her over, yeah. and I feel like yeah. he nailed that role. Like every moment he had, he was always like his moments were really small, but they were always really supportive. Like. uh the smile know. moment's great when it gives you the smile book. Yeah, yeah, and that's when the same thing. He's, he's trying to do his best job to win her over. Now, I do have some questions about, like, the him being the, a pedophile. What? What? No, like, what was he the? He, <laughs> Was he the father of the other kid? Because the other kid seemed to be totally cool with it. 
Oh he, no, Otis. No, Otis is just was no. just too young. I, I well, the way I read that was the, the dad died when he was younger, so he doesn't really remember but, his dad. But so Ron's the just the new guy. But I feel like the picture of her jumping, like the the, the picture she had up on her, um, I don't know, in in the garage, bench, whatever. Yeah, yeah. D- taken like a year ago, maybe two. years I think. Ago. Yeah, I, I mean, the, my read on it is the dad like, didn't die that long ago. The mom you know, rebounded quick, or were the parents divorced earlier, and this kid is her stepbrother? Also, no, I, the kid, I think that Otis is just, I think Otis is just a karate man, and karate men are tougher. You know, he gives yeah. over stuff easy, Ooh, and he, he goes, he just says, Ron's a new dad. Yeah, I right. him. Also, <laughs> right. let me ask you this question, Kevin. Man. You're a man that has a cute dog. When you got a cute dog, does anything else matter? No. Really? Definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, fucking uh, dog. Conan's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my whole fucking life. Uh, Kevin, were you just Oh. One one question the uh, the kid did he seem weirdly like old like he was like an old older person pretending to you be a what? kid you know what you're doing you're, you know what you're responding to the same thing I thought originally I was like is that a young Timothee Chalamet it is not he is not related to Timothee no, Chalamet at all but he looks not, exactly he like looks him I was like, like is that the kid from Call Me by Your Name he he looks he looks like a big kid you know. Like, One of the big part, you know, yeah. well, you know how they go, Kevin. You got when you're 18, you can play anything from like 16 down to four. I'm, you can just I, do. I feel like he reminded me a lot of that one movie, The Orphan, where it was the girl that like aged weirdly. Mm. I have no idea. Andy, where, know, where are you at? This Rock. oldest kid. He looked like a kid, right? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't look like an older what, what, kid that, that was what? pretending to be a young kid. No, Kevin. No, not really. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> what, what what I wanted to say was uh, the the photo of Haley Steinfeld and her dad. At first, I thought they were doing the other Transformers thing, where it's like, oh, that's my that's my real mom and my dad. I don't know why I thought that. Like, because the way her hair was done, she it looked like they were trying to make her look older. And I thought that was like, oh, that's my real dad and his real wife. I thought that's what they were trying to do here, until I figured out that it was like, oh no, that's just. Haley, I thought they were doing the blonde girl playing uh, Mark Wahlberg's mom or wife, oh, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. I thought that's what yeah. they were doing there. No, that's that's uh, that that's the dad. Of course, Charlie comes in and throws out some of her old diving trophies, uh, so we know that it's a sore subject. Probably has to do with her dead dad, and then asks her mom for five hundred dollars to finish the Corvette in the garage. Five hundred dollars, a lot of money in the eighties. Not a lot of money now. Got that? Just pocket change. Just sitting in my shoe. 500 bucks. Uh, we meet Conan and Otis, and I'm not sure who is who, but one of them has, is in a karate gi, and I respect that. Uh, I myself got a purple belt in Kempo uh, before I decided that, being, decided that being overweight and playing trumpet was more fun. Uh, Charlie works at the hot dog on a stick. And again, fucking love all these 80s references. I mean, obviously, hot dog on a stick, I think, still around. If You, you well, might be able to find one somewhere in like, Hartford, right, Connecticut. Yeah, but uh, love that she's in that. Love that they put her in the hat. Uh, she works there. You know what uh, I love, Nick? Yeah. You know what I love more than anything? This the is 80. Santa Cruz, California. Like, that I is the beach boardwalk. Yep. That is somewhere that, that me, was the big dipper. grew up on. That roller coaster, we've been on it many times. They didn't fuck with it. They didn't add shit. They didn't change shit. That was just the boardwalk. Fuck. I didn't recognize that. That's cool. But what's amazing about it is they 80s fight it. Like, and, and I grew up in the 90s there, but like, it it's I've been there recently and it looked in this movie how I remember it. Like that is just it's so fucking unreal that they they did this. They not only gave me Transformers finally right in Cybertron, they gave it to me in my hometown. You gotta love there it. There it is. You know? There it's right in the backyard, right where Tim that wherever Tim goes. Uh let's see. She works there at the boardwalk where Memo has been obsessing about her, presumably for years, but Charlie only has eyes for trip. 
but he's more, I guess he's more into Tina because she has a car and large boobs. She spills some drinks on him and immediately uh, takes, he just immediately takes his shirt off. Because, Andy, if you look like that, you don't worry about being emotionally scarred for life when taking off your shirt in front of the opposite sex. Unlike me, who continued to wear a shirt in the pool all the way up until today. Uh, Were they born, born in lives, now it's time to rank those abs. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the popular, the world-famous podcast, Rank Those Abs. I'm your host, Nick Scarpino, with my co-host, Andy Cortez. Andy, how, you, how's your, how are your abs feeling today? Oh, my God. I'm so bloated. <laughs> <laughs> I had a burrito and a cookie last night, so I'm right there with you. Uh, this kid looks good with this shirt off, man. I mean, he's a spry. I, I believe that he's a 16-year-old boy who's just working out with those. I bet he has those dumbbells, like the old dumbbells that, like, Josh Brolin had in oh. Goonies, you know, and, like, the thing, this thing, the thing, the you know. with the spring. Yeah, the spring. Yeah. He looks yeah. great. And I'll tell you what. If I look like that and anything spilled anywhere on me, immediately naked. Just mm-hmm. Abs out, thrust bucket out, look at it, look at it, look at it, don't look at it, you know? Or as Anthony Carboni calls the thrust bucket, the cum gutters. Oh, God, I hate that. (laughs) That's gross. (laughs) Jesus. And also, like, to to think about when that would actually be in use. It's like when you're you're spilling on yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, you're sitting probably in a recline setting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Charlie rides off. To the junkyard uh, on her moped. While let me tell you, and again, another slap. She gets on her. She sees Tina get into the BMW and is like, "No, I'm never going to be that." Tina's pretty. Tina's a bitch, but she has a dope car and big boobs. We already established that. Trip is into her. Maybe I like Trip. I don't know where what she likes and what does. she doesn't I like. Maybe she's adding Tina. a lot of Trip. Yeah. Love to this in the same way that she Gia added Trump. a lot of Bumblebee love to this, where any scene between Bumblebee and Haley, which there's many, she's convinced that they're fucking. And I'm like, gee, you're a pervert. Gia Tap Harris and call her a pervert. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. She Oh, she gets on the moped. And let me tell you, dude, fucking immediately run away by Bon Jovi starts playing. And it's it's only on there for like 20 seconds, but it's such a good music. It's enough. Choice. It's another. so good. Uh, we go over to the junkyard where we meet Hank. And then uh, Charlie proves to Bill, the mechanic, that she knows way more about carburetors than him. Uh, out back, she search- searches the junkyard for spare parts. And we hear yet another fucking club banger. Uh, the music Say a- Save a Prayer by Duran Duran starts playing. Uh, Charlie knocks over some boats, which you think would piss Hank off. But I guess she's back there all the time. He doesn't give a fuck. Uh, and then reveals, that's right, an old yellow VW bug that looks like rats or bees have been living in it for so long. They've all had kids that move out, went to college, couldn't get jobs, and then move right back in. Let's face it. Having mom do your laundry, Tim. Way easier. It's way easier. Uh, Charlie a lot, spots a lot of personal stuff here. <laughs> I mean, the eighties guys. Stand up stuff. Bringing up a lot of baggage. Yeah. Bringing up a lot of baggage from the eighties. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Charlie. We see the Autobot symbol on the steering wheel, which is a cool little touch. Uh, but not knowing what the hell that is, Charlie just gets in and starts the engine up, which inadvertently sends a signal out into space, where we catch up with Dropkick, played by Justin Thoreau, and Shatter, played by Angela freaking Bassett. They got to be in this movie. Who was in two of my all-time favorite films? Uh, one, Strange Days, and How Stella Got Her Groove Back. Oh, Great film. Did Great she ever get it back? There we go. She did get her groove back, and man, she there got it back with guys. a young Tay Diggs and motherfucker. They were good looking in that movie. Tay Diggs uh, has like always been hot, right? <laughs> he's just been good. He's just good. He's got the good good. <laughs> 
Dude, they are fucking up Cliff Jumper in this scene because uh, they want to know where Optimus is and where he's planning on uh, putting that Autobot base. Uh, and then they receive the signal from B127, uh, which is, that's right, the theme song to Cheers. And I got to say, guys, this is, don't tell anyone this, but if you ever get a random audio message that's just the theme song from, like, Frasier, it's Nick. Boy, it's this it's guy. Nick. Nick. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Shatter takes the liberty of tracing the signal, uh, which frees Dropkick to cut Cliff Jumper in half, and it is crazy. It's brutal. Like, it's brutal. And like, I like I that. Didn't, I, I didn't expect that level of violence, like mm-hmm. right off the bat. Like it's pretty brutal. Uh, back at the junkyard, Charlie haggles with Hank over some parts and asks him about the beetle outside. Uh, but he's too into this week's episode of Alf to pay her any mind. And I gotta say, I fucking get it, dude. Alf was the shit. Uh, later that night, Charlie works on her dad's Corvette, but it, it but hits an emotional and physical dead end. She can't do it anymore without her dad. It's really, really sad because uh, dad is dead. She heads inside where she finds that fucking pedo Ron watching Alf with her family. Uh, and then it's like, <laughs> hey, Ron. Wait, why, why are we going full pedo on him? I don't know, Kevin. I I feel like I didn't get that vibe at all. <laughs> Me I just either. feel like yeah, I feel like you I trust just... this guy too much, and then you look over and where's your hand? Otis's lap. Like, oh, man. what's going on That's here? It's really yeah. disturbing the joke you're making here. Uh, it's yeah. all I got. Here's the problem with this movie: it's hard to make fun of because it's good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I gotta pick. I gotta just pick it apart where I can because there's not really much wrong with this film. Here's what I picture: Classic I, I picture Nick at home. Fucking writing his notes and being like, yeah, there's not a whole lot. I could go the pedo angle. That's <laughs> what I could do. That's <laughs> exactly where I went. I was like, this guy's a very capable actor. He's, to Kevin's point earlier, playing this stepdad to a T, just perfectly playing it, not giving off a pedo vibe at all. Or is he? But also, is that the pedo vibe that he's so not a pedo that he might be a pedo? Okay. I don't think I want to say the vibes okay. work. The I do like of a vibe doesn't imply the vibe. Like, you know what I mean? You look at Tim right now, and he's got a little bit of a pedo vibe, and no, that's how you know no, he's not a pedo. Tim, Tim has that's how like you know a... he's not. A... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus We're just, we are we are so far down this hole. Uh, let's see. Charlie heads oh back. God. Let's see the shout next out, morning. Shout out though. Shout out really quick to to Haley Seinfeld and her performance, like She's kind of great. freaking out about her about her dead dad and stuff. I think I, I think we, in, in that moment, and then the, the moment later on where she finally sort of connects and bonds with B. It's just she's a really fucking good actor. She's a great and actor, it's, and it's awesome when movies hire really good actors and not just like super super hot people that maybe can't act super well dude this well, was her think- moment man like this came out the same week as spider-verse where she's gwen yeah Fuck. and it's just like damn can you imagine being her good for her i think i also think it's two things i think it's a great actor and i think whoever wrote this wrote that character to be a little bit more three-dimensional than your standard like protagonist i think she i think they all did a good job across the board uh the next morning it's charlie's birthday and her mom got her a very girly helmet uh for when she rides her moped and then ron got her a gift to a, a book about smiling uh which i'd be like ron again i asked for fucking money so all of you that bought me this shit this is 30 dollars worth of money that i could have put toward a corvette which they don't show till the end of the movie as being a fucking really cool corvette yeah that's she, like, probably worth like shit. 50 or 60 g's now yeah like don't let a 16-year-old have that car. Just sell that shit Why? and pay for the fucking mortgage. Back um, then it wasn't. And, like, they seem yeah. like they're well off, you know? They do, right? Like, yeah. that house was dope. Yeah. And then it gets Overlooking destroyed and beach. no one's like, oh, fuck, we're broke now because you broke all our shit. Yeah. Well, they got insurance, hope, presumably. Ron's definitely looks like he's uh, he's fiscally sound. No way insurance uh, co- covers giant robots and, like, the government coming by. Exactly. 
Exactly. Charlie heads back to Hank to make a deal. She'll work for him for a year, even scrub those dirty ass uh, bathrooms if she he'll give her the beetle. It's her birthday. And Hank's like, nope, I can't. That's a, that's a bad deal for me. I don't need any more people. But guess what, kiddo? Happy birthday. You can have it. And she gets out there. And what song plays? That's right. Steve Winwood's Higher Love. So fucking great. Uh, she gets the car started and wait, she's like, if you can get that car started, you can have it. She gets the car started and she drives by and it's this lovely moment where she's so happy and she waves at Hank and Bill and they're like, she's going to die. That car she's is going to kill her. Whoa. <laughs> and they're like, I, yep. had to, I, I had to look up this uh, this fact that JC Lego man in chat has brought up that the woman that plays Charlie's mom, Pamela Adlon, is the voice of Bobby Hill from Hank from King of the Fuck Hill. Fuck you. Really? <laughs> That yeah, sounds right. That sounds I, right. I believe it. That's crazy. Great job. I forget James her name, but she was in. Uh, she played one of the characters in Californication, I think, and she was so good in that. Oh, she, she played his his friend, his agent's wife. What's that? Sorry, I was asking who, what character she was, but you just said it. Yeah, yeah she, I mean, Pamela she's, Adlon is her name, and I think she's on an FX show now too. She's fucking great. She was good casting in this. Um, <clears throat> let's see. When we get B home, for some reason, he drops a big old fat Transformers dick on the ground. And I'm like, what part of your body is that? Because what was that? Does anyone tell that me was, what part of the Transformers that was? That was for sure his arm. But I also was, was it his like, arm? Dude, it, was long, it looked like a, a fucking donkey's dick. Google donkey just, dick no, right now. It, it, does look, it does look like a donkey's dick. You don't have to Google it. That's exactly Everyone, what a donkey's dick what you're doing. Like. Turn off safe search. Google no. donkey dick. And let me know if that's where they got the inspiration from this. Uh, she checks underneath to see why her car has a fucking doinker and finds a face that lights up. And then Bumblebee transforms around her. And at first, it's kind of terrifying uh, because he's lost his memory. And there's nothing scarier than a giant thing that has no idea what's going on. Um, then her mom, of course, busts in. And when she turns around, Bumblebee has again transformed transformed back into the, the, the car and at this point if i were her i'd be like i gotta stop doing all these drugs because i think i just fucking hallucinated my car turning into a robot and i would immediately tell my mom to check me into a psych ward uh charlie asks let's see mo uh, mom leaves again and then bumblebee comes back up and then charlie asks if he could speak but when he tries to his it, it appears that something's wrong with his throat uh and he's a little scared of her it turns out because she got a wrench in her hand so once she puts it away uh they become friends and then b can understand her but he can't speak uh, they form a fast friendship, and uh, you know I like this movie. I like this movie a lot. Mark Wahlberg, be damned! I think this is the best Transformers movie because at this point I'm like, this is a touching scene, and Haley Steinfeld, very very good actor, is selling the shit out of this, and it's great. Uh, Charlie asks him his name, but he can't remember. And when he tries to respond, he sounds like a bee. So she goes, you know what? We're just gonna go with that. I found a bunch of bees in you earlier. We're gonna call you Bumblebee. How's that sound? And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Um, but also and then, like bee, like bumblebee, like beetle. Why not like? Like beetle would have been a better word, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna call, call you Bumble Beetle. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, or just beetle. <laughs> like, I, I I never understood that. I never the colors beetle colors. He's yellow. He looks like a bumblebee because yeah. he's yellow and he's he's big and bulbous. So he looks like a bumblebee. I mean, he's just he's just all yellow. It's not like black too. stripes on him. Or it's it's how we. It's like how we call Tim's car the blueberry behind his back because it looks. Well, like then a giant he should have turned into a car called like like a hornet. I mean, there's different bugs here. Is what I'm saying in play. Like, I wish they were. I get it, but a Different beetle bugs, sucks. Bro. Bumblebee is cool. We've already established that. Wasp, okay. even cooler. Wasp are real cool. <laughs> yeah, they're cool. Uh, then we cut over to Texas, man, and Amber and Roy are having a domestic. Amber wants a divorce because Roy tried to bang her sister, and Roy spent the their down payment on, on a house on this dope-ass car, and then they spot a meteorite coming down from them, and Roy's like, oh, shit, my car. And she's like, my car? And then, of course, it doesn't hit, and they're like, thank God. It just killed the trucker. 
It just blew up the truck <laughs> over there. Thank God it wasn't my car. That guy's dead, but whatever. This man's and then body is just all across the side of the wall. <laughs> I mean, there's there's the smell of burnt flesh radiating through the air right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they spot, of course, another meteorite coming down right at them, and it just destroys everything. Uh, uh, shatter pops up, takes the form of his car, while Dropkick takes the form of a similar, uh, I think it was like a Dodge Charger or something cool like that. Uh, then Dropkick literally pops Roy, and it's horrifying. Oh, my God. I love the, the look. Why does it explode in liquid? It was so cool. Kevin. That's so true. Yeah, and true. I'll tell you what, guys. I, moral of the story here serves you right. If you're going to try to bang your wife's sister, go all the way. Make sure you get it done. Make sure you get it done. Because if you're going you to do the time, life... you might as well do the crime. Short life is? You know what is that what this is about? I think so. I don't really know. Uh, I, I, thought, they... I didn't like this scene. I thought that it didn't fit the movie of the, like these characters that were there. Like the humans? It, uh, oh. It felt like a Michael Bay tone to me compared to the rest of the movie that didn't feel like this. I, I yeah. thought it was fine. I thought the, the whole idea was like, just like, oh, here's two random characters that like, they don't matter. But like, here's a little glimpse into what their world was so that they could explode into liquid. And we love this, whatever this, uh, this bad guy's character's name is. Because I just enjoyed how much he enjoyed killing things. He liked yeah. it. He liked to pop. Yeah. I imagine also, if Kevin was a Decepticon and he had that gun, he'd be popping humans left and right. And, but also kind of shocking, though. Like, I wasn't expecting that level of I mean, it wasn't like necessarily violent in the way that we didn't see body parts. Like, it just turned it turned into goo. But still, it's kind of like <laughs> is this a kid's movie or what the it fuck reminded, is it? it reminded me of Men in Black when they would like yeah. shoot the bugs and shit. <laughs> uh, anyway, they head off toward the direction of Bumblebee. Uh, Charlie walks out. Uh, oh, Charlie wakes up in the morning, goes into the garage, and finds her car is gone. Uh, turns out her mom borrowed it because Ron needed the station wagon, presumably to fit more kids in it. I don't know. Um, just saying. Uh, Memo tries to say hello to her, but Charlie does not have time for it. She chases after her mom. We get a fun scene uh, with her waving her mom down. And she's like, she's like, why are you chasing after me? And she's like, well, I mean, he's my dog, too, and you're not very good in a crisis. And her mom goes, I'm a nurse. And then she goes, not of animals. <laughs> yeah, that was a cute line. Uh, and then their scooter. Yeah, they just—I mean, fuck them. Mopeds are a dime a dozen in the '80s, Tim. You don't—you weren't born in the '80s, but everywhere you went, there was—it was there was a whole plague of mopeds just multiplying a lot in the city. So you just go, you take a moped, leave a moped. God, That's what can you imagine here. Nick driving a little moped? His little—I wanted one so bad. <laughs> my uncle right in his mouth. <laughs> oh my god, my uncle! My uncle used to have one of those old school red, um, um, like scooters. Like the ones that were angular, that's like the most classic, iconic scooter of the eighties. Yeah. And he used to drive me. He drove me around the neighborhood in it. And I was like, "This is too scary. I'm going back to playing trumpet and overeating." Uh, <laughs> we get back to Cena, and he gets a printout from Young Simmons, nice little shout out about uh, Shatter and Dropkick landing in Texas. So off they go. Uh, and I like this movie. It's just moving on. Let's move it along. You know, a nice cool. clip here. We don't need to, We don't need Simmons doing a fun scene about his underwear or whatever. It's just fucking. Either the scene services the plot or the characters. That's good old-fashioned writing. Uh, Charlie takes B to the beach so they can lay out some ground rules about how terrible people can be, especially when they don't when they see something they don't understand. So the only person he can show himself to is her. Uh, and then she goes, she has a cute little scene where she goes, okay, like, you know, when I say something, you're going to transform. He goes, got it. And then she goes, oh, shit, people. And she hides behind a rock. And when she pops up, he's trying to hide behind a smaller rock. And it's like, you dumb idiot. You fucking <laughs> shit. You fucking stupid idiot. But you're cute and you're lovable. God, he's so like lovable. You. The way he's animated, like the motions, it's just, it's something about it is adorable. 
It, well, it doesn't look well. overly complicated like in the previous yeah. movies. Yeah, it doesn't look complicated. Yeah. I think that they they really do a good job of selling it with the practical effects going around. And like, I think it was a good choice to be on the beach having the sand because it allowed it's, sand, yeah. it's kicking things up and it allows her to act off of it. And it like I feel she does such a good job of you believe she's with this thing. It it doesn't feel like CG that she's standing next to. It feels like a creature. Yeah, they did. And also, it just helps that they wrote the scenes, right? And my, my my major criticism of a lot of the Transformers in the prior movies is that they didn't feel like they needed to be in the scene. And they just wrote a bunch of extra stupid Transformers in there and gave them these throwaway lines to just put in for comedic relief. But it's nice when they craft a scene, which, by the way, is a very important scene where the two characters are bonding for the first time um, as we find that they have a, a, a common bond, like a, a, a kind of a not a love for each other, but like a, a caring for each other. It's nice. This is where we're developing that here. I, don't know, um, I heard some people thought there was some sort of romantic love for the, each other. I mean, Gia is, we all know Gia has a fetish for car doinkers. What does Gia have, Nick? Gia's got a fetish for car doinkers, and it's time we talked about it. Okay. You know who does have a fetish for car doinkers? Chloe. Kevin, can you please bring up the What Bot is Hot video for this week? What Bot is Hot? I haven't what seen this one hot, yet. So I don't bot know. is Hot. I don't know who it's going to be. A video from the birthday girl, by the way. It's her birthday? Yeah, it's her birthday. Oh, my God, everyone. Go show Echo Close some love on 14. Yeah, it's great. <clears throat> All right, ready? Mm-hmm. Let me check the volume levels. Do it. Up. Her volume's too low. It was all Chloe, low. for the next one, bring the volume all the way up. Negative six is where I need it at. Yeah, whenever she, yeah, whenever she streams, it's like at the lowest possible volume. Welcome back to the Transformers Hot Robot Ranking part of the show with yours truly, Chloe Naylor, Echo Clo. We're here to talk about hot robots. This one, full of them. Finally, mm-hmm. thank God. That first, I can I give the sexy award to the first fifteen minutes of the movie? That would be fantastic. You oh can. my God, Sploosh. I've never been happier seeing that in the theaters. I also don't have this movie. I don't own it. Nothing against the movie. If it was all like the first 15 minutes, I would own it at least five times. But I don't. Anyways, if I can't give it to the first 15 minutes of the movie and I can't give it to the single second of all the Decepticons are on screen, I'll give it to Blitzwing, who for the longest time I thought was Starscream. Mm -hmm. All the trailers, I'm like, oh my god, there's my man. It wasn't. But he's still hot. So that's my answer. Thank it's you, like all right. it's very similar to like isn't Tom Hardy but looks like Tom Hardy like still hot you know mm-hmm. but not Tom Hardy yeah. yeah but like that see that's what I thought originally when I was like dude they cast this fucking guy in the notebook who's not Jake Gyllenhaal and then that person turned out to be Ryan Gosling the Goss, oh the Goss. man I had egg on my face that day. Goss the boss that went the, down Chloe, does Chloe give off like, gutter? like like <laughs> what what? Is that what it was called? The cum gutter? The cum gutters. Yeah, Jesus. the cum gutters. Does Chloe give off like like uh, mom vibes to you? Do you when she talks? Don't you like reminds you like a friend mom? It's the Midwestern. Yeah. Do you think that's yeah. what it's the low the audio? The I think it might be the low yeah. audio. Yeah. I think it's also just that, that there's just and, and, and Chloe, if you're watching, the, uh, please take this as as in, in the spirited fun light that it was intended. There's a twisted nature to that girl. That just terrifies. <laughs> you mean the fact that she wants to fuck robots? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Nick. Yeah, that's... that might be it, Kev. Yeah. I think you might have hit the nail on the head 
on that. There's a Nick's <laughs> just calling the vibes today. Let's have a little. Let's have a little off about you, Chloe. But that's what we love you uh, for. Anyway, going back to the plot, uh, John Cena and his team, along with Doctor Powell, who are getting introduced here, set up a roadblock to uh, to uh, cut off shatter and drop kick. Uh, and as they drive in, it's cool. We get a cool scene of them scanning an airplane and a chopper as it flies by. Why they would launch an airplane and a chopper for this is beyond me. It seems it's like so maybe funny. just the helicopter would have been a good idea. The chopper was already there. The chopper was already there, and the airplane was going in to survey. You know how it is? Oh, I, I get it, man. I get it. And you know, it's the 80s. We only had one plane and one chopper, so you wanted to flex. You know, They're like, yeah. we only have one plane and one chopper. What do we do? Launch them both. We need to flex. Uh, let's see. We get uh, – they go uh, – Shadow gets a bright idea, right? Because they're like, oh, we're going to – you know. Justin Thoreau just wants to blast these people to smithereens. Chatter's like, you know what? I got a better idea. And she tells them that uh, they are peacekeepers. They're Decepticon peacekeepers, which is an important thing. Because she actually says the word, we're Decepticon peacekeepers looking for a dangerous criminal that is hiding somewhere on your planet. They need access to Earth's satellites to, to find a B-127. She tells them there's a war brewing on Cybertron, and B-127 could very well bring that war here to Earth. And Powell thinks, hey, man, this could be a mutually beneficial uh, relationship because these things are fucking next level. So let's take them over to the general and let's 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 hash this thing out over at Sector 7. Uh, and then we get I, to do, see where- I do love Justin Thoreau being like, really? We're doing this? Really? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and they like kneel and he's like, I don't yeah, know. Like, he's like, this this how, how badly he wants to keep killing people. He yeah. likes to pop people, just yeah. like is, those pimper popples. Is this the scene where we see him transform for the first time? Where they like Ye- they fly in, then they triple oh. change? Where it's like they, they transform into cars and then they transform no. into robots? I think that's later because they haven't done the cars yet. I think they're, they haven't done the, the planes yet. They just scan them and this is where they just kind of transform out from. That that I think is gotcha. later, which yeah, is fucking awesome. Cool. That scene cool is so fuck. fucking cool. They didn't need to transform into the cars, but I'm glad that they did. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, also, again, uh, you're right. It's extraneous, but it works and it's fun. Yeah. Uh, unlike the rest of the Transformers movies, where the whole point of them was just to watch them transform over and over again after after 55 fun, hours. But it wasn't get... fun to watch. It was always too yeah. complex. Like complex, this, not like, fun. I feel like they turned. While I don't remember the actual animations, like it made sense. Like it, it, it felt smoother. Absolutely. Um, Bumblebee and Charlie walk through the forest and have a quick little heart-to-heart about family. He wants to communicate but can't, so Charlie offers to help him fix it. Uh, when she does so, she unlocks a message. So she like kind of goes in there and starts rooting around. And when she does it, she unlocks a message from Optimus. Tim, see, it's more of the sexual stuff. She's just going inside of him, just rooting around. I get and it. He loves it. You're a pervert too. That's right. I'm, I'm proud of it. Well, I'm like yeah, Chloe, but we can all know? agree that the king of the perverts definitely Chloe mm-hmm. on this one. Uh, B-127, pray this message finds you. Our war rages on, dot, 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 planet Earth, dot, 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 survival. And at this point, I'd be like, well, that's really terrifying. Uh, then we get another dope-ass scene on Cybertron with Optimus straight fucking jacking fools. And then, Tim, best moment of this whole movie. Oh, yeah. Ravage. Eject. It Dude, and this is the thing is I love this movie because they knew that they had to keep it small and there's not extraneous action scenes. They're just like, we need to keep this plot going. It's about the characters, but they're also like, let's give them some fucking action though. Let's go back to Cybertron where it would make sense to get something, just a glimpse and then cut away. Just a fun little nod for everyone who had that toy. Who oh. had, who knew that the tape deck turned into the it that come on it that's it was perfectly tastefully done you're absolutely right uh, B's last image of course in this little flashback is of Optimus surrounded by Decepticons uh, and then Charlie asks about the war but it's a little fuzzy because uh, Bumblebee got his brain scrambled by old Blitzwing uh, all she knows is that he's a robot in disguise and he's hiding from something and his radio is broken 
and jean shorts are really great. Uh, Charlie takes the radio out of her dad's old Corvette, which I like uh, as B watches the end of the breakfast club. Uh, he goes, he looks over her. She goes, you can pop in another tape if you want. And he chooses, he chooses to accidentally, or accidentally pops in a tape of her last dive meet uh, that her dad was filming. And she freaks out a little uh, and then calm, calm after she calms herself uh, so she can install the new radio, which immediately plays. That's right. Aha's take on me again, proving once again, it goes bodyguard this movie last dance and then whatever else y'all are watching fucking Pokemon movie, whatever you guys want to put us number four. Uh, it's just, it's with Nick, it's always like the last thing that was mentioned. I'll, yeah. bring, I'll bring that in here. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how the audience knows. You got to give them something to hook, hook their arms around. Uh, she thinks maybe music can help him say what he wants to uh, say, which I like that she introduces this concept. I also like the symbolism of her taking out the radio of her dad's car and putting it to him. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, she first inserts good. a Smith's tape, which he immediately spits out. And I'm like, good on you, because the Smiths suck. Uh, and then Rick Astley, and then he just immediately spits that thing out, too. And I love that's the little Very violently. Yeah, just taking her head off. I know. I thought about like what are the ramifications if it did hit her in the forehead? <laughs> Death. <laughs> then both of them are just so flash forward 20 years from now, both of them stumbling down no downtown. Memory. They can't remember who the fuck they are. <laughs> They're eating trash out of a fucking trash can like raccoons. Um see B tries to touch one of her uh, B tries to touch one of her dad's old records, uh, and then she flips out again. Of course, softening, she offers to play it for B, and it's the song from Ghost uh, during the scene where they fuck in the mud. It turns out her and her father used Nick. to work on that old Corvette. That's your takeaway from that fuck scene. in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> it's what is like, wrong with there's you? A of, there's a lot of clay going around. It's going to get into yeah. no, part. But, but first of all, they don't fuck, right? They fuck. Oh, they fuck. Not that that part they start making out, and then the mud gets everywhere. It gets yeah. everywhere, Kevin. Every orifice yeah. possible. Yeah. Every crevice possible mm-hmm. including that's right anthony if you're watching the show the what is it the cum gutters cum gutters the cum gumsters yeah he's not cum watching gutters. the show oh. anthony Garboni watches everything we do because he tries to he wants to beat me at every fucking pass oh let's see turns out her and her father used to work on that old corvette every weekend and that tape of her swim meet was the last time she saw him alive before he died of a massive heart attack that you have to assume was super violent she always thought that if she could finish fixing this Corvette and get it started that he would hear her one more time. Fuck you, boof. The Oscar goes to Haley Steinfeld. Uh, B touches her on the shoulder to comfort her, and then she hugs him. And this is a cute, incredibly touching scene that is very tastefully done, and Beautiful. I love it very much. Like the, mu- the music cue hits, and it's mm-hmm. goosebumps all over. Like, I just feel my- your body just tingles. Like, wow, this is really well done. We cut over to Sector 7 where John Cena is basically telling his joint chiefs that letting uh, the Decepticons uh, have any access to them is a bad idea. And then he gets he has the best line of this whole movie. Yep, 100%. Period. Where he goes, they call themselves the Decepticons. That's not a red flag for anyone else here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so I'm like, good. that's a great yeah. fucking line, right? I just wanted more of that from Cena. I, I just too. like The rest of the time, it was just mostly like kind of not great acting bad guy, you know? Of course, Powell uh, uh, has the same logic here that fueled largely most of the Cold War in the 80s. He says, if we don't do this, the Russians will. And I'm like, that's a leap, but okay. I mean, uh, I feel we, like that's that was like the best thing he could have said. And also pretty, I mean, like there, there's a good chance they're just going to go to the next spot and try to figure out, you know, the same the same thing. Like, I think he's right. Sorry, my focus is, is off. Before we move on, ladies and gentlemen, let, it, let me tell you about our sponsor. This like week. Kevin's petting his webcam. <laughs> We're brought Good to you. webcam. We're brought Good to you. webcam. We're brought to you 
buy honey. Uh, online shopping is supposed to be easy. So why is it so hard to find coupon codes that actually work? Thanks to honey, it doesn't have to be. Honey's the free online shopping tool that saves you money online. Honey automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your cart. It makes online shopping finally feel as easy as it's supposed to. If you're trying to get a new webcam that'll focus correctly, um, you can use honey. Chances are, no matter where you go, whether it's Best Buy or Target or eBay, any of those sites, you're going to get a, a good to a good sweet deal um without doing anything it's two clicks it installs it in your browser and then when you're checking out it automatically applies the best coupons uh for you to save your money i recently bought some more hue lights and i saved like 20 percent off of my uh purchase without even doing anything it was so easy and i love this i've been using honey for for a very long time and i've saved so much money kind of funny as a company has saved thousands of dollars thanks to honey um, Honey has found its over 18 million members, over $2 billion in savings. Um, Honey supports over 30,000 stores online, and they're adding more every day. Not using Honey is literally passing up free money. It's free to use and installs in just two clicks. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash morning. That's joinhoney.com slash morning. Uh, Chloe doesn't have Bumblebee. She doesn't own it. Somebody could buy it for her right now and save some money using Honey. It's her birthday, Okay. You can go also, to joinhoney.com. She doesn't movie. own the best Transformers movie. Get <laughs> like, on it. Get on it, Clovo. Maybe maybe it's because so she silly. didn't want to feed the habit. You know what I mean? <laughs> the dark habit. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, let's see. General Wallen approved. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, General Wallen approved. Is the plan. dark habit masturbating to robots? Uh, we're the, we're Just, like so close to the ad, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, we can talk about that in now now we can talk about <laughs> chloe's just, no, let's just All right. go on come on guys. uh i want i want to quickly tim can you look up general wallen the general in this because i think he was on an 80s tv At show genital <laughs> damn andy you're just hearing what you want to hear anyway he approves the plan uh and then powell goes out and welcomes shatter and dropkick to sector seven and grants them access to their network and shatter asks what those uh those telephone things are and he goes she goes do they operate worldwide and then he goes yeah and then she smiles super ominously and at first i thought they were gonna have a beat and then cut back to powell and be like oh this is a bad idea but they did not we just moved on from that it's glenn, um, glenn Turman is the name of this actor um what was your question nick what, what 80s show was he on i feel like he was on he was on a whole bunch of stuff thornwell penitentiary 2 gremlins gremlins i think is probably what i'm thinking he was of. roy hansen in gremlins yeah. he was in deep cover he was in how stella got her groove back ah, riptide ride the wave it all comes back it all comes back um we can move on. Let's see. Outside of Charlie's garage, Memo is psyching himself up to go talk to Charlie, even though she has literally proven to him. Guys, listen, when you've tried to talk to a girl, not once, not twice, but like 18 times in your life, and she is not giving you the time of day, you have two choices. You can just let it go and find someone else, or you can creep outside her garage. Now, I'm not going to say one's better than the other, but for sure, creeping outside her garage, not the way to What's do it. Even worse, Why is though, everyone being a monster, inside? guys? Come on. He was trying to psych himself up to knock on the door, and then she he did accidentally not. walks in. Just pick up on not. He didn't accidentally things. walk in. He walked in. Like, it wasn't... <laughs> The, like he he was there a loud in. noise that prompted him to get in, or no? Yeah, I think he no. straight up was like, "All right, I'm gonna walk in." 
Interesting. I mean, to be fair, it's a garage, and I feel like everyone's garage, you can just walk into people's no, garages. No, you can't just walk into people's <laughs> that's, garage. That's a good garage. point, Nick. That's, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. It's a garage. Like, people, you're in the neighborhood. The garage is kind of common area for everyone in the 80s. You know, there's that in the mopeds. You just take a moped, leave a moped. It's like the fucking little penny thing at the liquor store. Anyway, um, Memo pops in, and guess what, motherfucker? You got more than you, more than meets the eyes in this there one. There you go. Because she sees that, who immediately transforms, and Haley, uh, Charlie tries to explain it to him, but she can't. And she's like, basically, I'm, I, she swears him to silence, or she'll kill him. Um, the next day, Memo and Charlie go for a ride uh, while B scans for the radios, and they're like, what the fuck is he doing? Uh, Charlie wants to show B, uh, Memo how awesome B is, so she goes, give me your shirt. I'm going to blindfold myself. We're going to stand out. And then, of course, immediately loses his shirt. Um, and I don't really know why. Because when he gets naked, he's got a good physique, but she kind of looks like at him and is like, I maybe just discovered something very important about myself, which is that I am not into guys. Like, I knew it. Just her whole. No, I, her, I, mean, I don't know if this was too. intentional or not on the writing, but there's a lot of cues in this that just go like, maybe she's just not into this, that at all. But I'm not, I don't mean that as a joke. Sure? I'm legitimately wondering if they tried to like. Put that cr- in there. It, yeah. it seems very much like they're friends and that she's not attracted to this guy. Why did she need his shirt, though? I still don't. Yeah, she could have just been like, it would have been it, the exact same effect. Or it made no just... sense to me. Turn yeah, around, Guys, you know? fuck this. Nick, keep going. Let's get to the part, okay? It doesn't matter because here's the part you're talking about, Tim. That's right. He loses his shirt as <laughs> tears for fears. Everybody wants to rule the world plays. And I got to tell you guys, you want to see a great movie where this plays at the end, uh, go watch Real Genius classic Val Kilmer 80s flick. Um, Over at Sector 7, Powell strokes himself off as Dropkick and Shatter create the internet. Fuck you, uh, Bob Dole. Oh, no, not Bob Dole. Who's the guy that said he created the internet? Not Bob Dole. Al Gore. Al Gore. Fuck you, Al Gore. Uh, Because Dropkick and Shatter create the internet here. Um, They are looking for something called Energon. They're looking for a sword. They're trying to find this Energon signal. And they're like, what's Energon? And they're like, it's this cool power thing. That's all we get. That's all I get you it. need to know. I, uh, uh, I did enjoy that there was that moment where John Cena's like, they're like doing a bunch of shit, and like the the general's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? That's exactly what they did. That classic like, scene where John Cena's like, they're doing, they're doing a bunch, a bunch of shit. shit. Yeah, and then the general <laughs> leans over and he's like, yeah, but now we know how to track them, and yep. soon we'll know how to kill them. Yep. I thought this, I thought I think the Sector Seven stuff, while Kevin's damn orders webcam. on <laughs> good webcam, good webcam. <laughs> I, I'm with Kevin on this one. I, I think the Sector Seven stuff was done perfectly. It's it's just cheesy enough, but also just serious enough that I think they strike a good tone. And you're right, like I, he says, I totally, basically, I totally agree. I just feel like it's weird. This movie gets weird because it's a reboot, but it's also not like Sector Seven existing at all. Like, what is Sector Seven in this movie? Because in the other movies, they're like based on Transformers. And there's like a bunch of deleted scenes from this one that I'll get to later that kind of set up that this Sector 7 is also about Transformers. Hmm. So it's, it's just kind of it's weird that they exist. Wait, but Sector why. 7 was wasn't that just some it was originally based off the, the Transformers? Yeah, that's what I think Tim's saying. I think he says Sector 7 was formed because of the Transformers. So if they had, oh. have never heard of a Transformer, why is there Sector 7? But Tim, Wait, again, it's not in the same more- world as the last movie. Is this not the Bumblebee that fought Hitler? We don't know for sure. But I just want to tell everyone, guys, you guys didn't grow up in the 80s like I did. Every fucking time you turned a corner, you ran into a secret black ops government organization. So that was just what the 80s were. It was the Cold War, Tim. You're not used to Cold Wars because you fucking kids grew up with heat and electricity. You're used to lukewarm slash warm wars. I I had to live through the Cold War, Tim. 
but it was good for anti-inflammatory stuff. Um, let's see the next day. No, we already did that. Oh, this is when they go, right? Finally, finally we get the classic Bumblebee because he's been scanning the radio and he finally figures out that, Hey, this is how I'm going to communicate with her, with everyone. And uh, Charlie realizes it. And then boom, it takes two plays and Fuck, it's a slap. The soundtrack rocks. Uh, they roll up onto this dope-ass bluff party, which, again, classic 80s. There's two things that define the 80s. Mopeds everywhere, bluff parties, and covert organizations just around every corner trying to steal your alien. If you had an alien, man, they were going to try to steal that thing. They were going to try to stick up on it. God, everywhere the aliens were, these fucking organizations were. Uh, let's see, Trip's there. And Trip, I got to be honest, I get a lot of respect for Trip in this scene because he's not a dick. And he's got great abs. And he just decides to romp. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of respect. Uh, you know, he's not a total asshole. And God damn, those abs. <laughs> the abs. Now, Trip is like, hey, I remember you. You used to be like an all-state diver. I'm about to dive off this cliff. Do you want to dive with me? And when we get into the water, we can like make out or something. And Haley's like, I don't want to do this. But then, of course, Bumblebee like opens the door and slaps her ass and kind of like pushes her forward. Um, and so she's like, I guess I'll do this. But when she walks, of course... Trip jumps off, and it the effect looks terrible. And also, it looks really bad. I'll be honest with you; this fucking cliff looks terrifyingly dangerous. Oh, yeah. This is not. This is like that time Tim jumped off a cliff in Hawaii, and all Should of his friends died. It. But it's yeah. also the 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 way it's uh the way the CG is is done is where. When He's he jumps off, enough. you don't know how long it should take for him to impact the water, and it happens way sooner than you think it should. Because like, the water looks way smaller, but like his body doesn't really get that small. Nope. <laughs> like it's really they, weird. They like, fucked up that. That was a quick effect, and someone was like, it, "It's close enough." And then when yeah. they watched it back, they're like, "Oh, we fucked that one up." Uh, of course. Everyone's cheering her on because because kids want to see kids do dumb shit that might result in their death. When she gets to the precipice of the cliff. She looks down and it's just <clears throat> scary and she's not ready to dive again because of her dead dad. And I imagine that there was a leaving scene where she looks up into the clouds and her dead dad is like Mufasa looking down at her. And he's like, Charlie, don't jump. There's a lot of rocks down there. <laughs> you don't know <laughs> where to land because Kevin, am I right? You yeah, don't no, jump on because you don't know how shallow we, it is. We learned in our trip to Hawaii, maybe you shouldn't. Be careful. Uh, then, of course, she backs out. Literally backs out. And I like how this is shot. She backs out and gets out of focus. Uh, gets in a car. And then that fucking... <laughs> Kevin is just... Kevin looks He's... like a mom. And the kid has, like, grime on the <sighs> face. He's like... He just, hold on, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Nick. <sighs> you skipped it. What did I skip? Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I apologize. You, you're right. Let me, let me go back and find fucking it. song. Let's see. They roll up on the party. Where where does it play? Oh, the crowd cheers. Uh, where does it play though? I forgot. I wrote it, it in here. It's where it's where he like Bumblebee slaps her ass. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Right. You got the why touch. are we making it so sexual? He pushes like, her with the the door. Push. It's not he a sexual. plays the song and it's fucking awesome. And again, another perfect example of this movie. It's just enough. It's just here's here's oh. you get the emotion and then they cut it off. She keeps going and then all the kids make fun of her for not jumping because that's it's how kids like, would act. Right? Who makes fun of kids for having a dead dad, dude? Like I don't. No, for real. No, no guys, kids, kids definitely do this. Yeah, not like that. Oh yeah, just like that. Just like that. Very bad jokes. Kids are terrible. You meet, you meet so a poor bizarre. kid with a dead dad and you're in the eighties and you're rich. You had to make fun of that kid. It was decreed by eighties by John Hughes law. You were the bad guy. You were Johnny Cooper from Cobra Kai. You were uh, fucking David Spader from uh, Pretty in Pink. You just had to tear people down because at deep down, you knew that your parents didn't love you. And the only way that they could show affection for you was just buying you things. And they've turned you into a horribly materialistic person who was probably going to do a lot of cocaine and die. 
Also, the only person that does love her is this kid. I mean, he doesn't actually love her, but she hasn't figured that out. And now this kid is interested in this girl. Like, obviously, you're going to go and break the girl's heart, you know? Of course, of course. This is what you have like, to do. Exactly. To so she goes over and, and then Memo's it's, like, listen, I, we got to We got it. They get on the road. Uh, let me see. I kind of lost here. Hold on. High dive. Tina comes over. Oh, man. Fucking Tina. And then Memo says, only one thing can make you feel better. And she's like, ice cream? He's like, revenge. And, he, and she's like, okay. So they embark on a time-honored tradition, Tim, of showing Bumblebee how to TP Tina's house. And I love this because he just takes the whole pack. He's like, I got it. And just fucking hurls it up into the air, uh, which I was like, maybe. At that point, I was like, this is a bad idea. This this dumb fucking robot this, is going to work. Let's hand him an egg. A single yeah. egg. A single egg, which he then, of course, through a folly of errors, immediately destroys Tina's BMW. Uh, but we do get a fun scene where he hides behind he, like turns it over and hides behind it. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Let's get out of here. Uh, they, of course, escape. And they start to jet away. And as they pass a police car, uh, he realizes that they're speeding. And, of course, I, I don't know if you have this. Doesn't not necessarily a huge Easter egg, but this cop is played by Fred Dreyer, who I was like, is that fucking Hunter from the critically acclaimed '80s television series Hunter? And it was. So no, Nick, I don't, I don't have that. But one that I forgot to say, and this one's just for you. Uh, way earlier, after Charlie spills lemonade on Trip, if you look closely, you'll notice the license plate on Trip's car, two fan three two one, is the same license plate. Uh, on Jack Burton's Pork Chop Express truck in the film. Shut up. Big Trouble in Little China. That's awesome. Travis mm. Knight, you had my fucking curiosity. Now you have my respect. Great. I'm, I'm happy we Why got Ma- ch- Mark Wahlberg for this. Why did you say Mark Wahlberg? Because there's nothing, there's nothing, there's no higher honor than Mark Wahlberg's respect. Remember, Mark Wahlberg would have single-handedly beat fucking all of the terrorists in Afghanistan if Bush was just not a pussy and would have let him, you know? Yeah. Bush would have done it, man. Let him fucking fight the war for us. I Mark, Wahlberg, Mark done Wahlberg beats the shit out of you while fucking <laughs> the monkey dude sits there watching. There are two people that if we ever, if I ever get Golem. through Repentance, there's definitely – there's three people now. Thank you, Kevin, for reminding me of that. <laughs> no. That I, if I ever get super famous and end up moving to Hollywood, I got to watch my back. Andy Circus for sure will fuck me up. Sure. Uh, Mark Wahlberg. And of course, one day Vin Diesel is just going to fucking tee off. <laughs> oh, man. He is going to tee I'm off just, on me. What, what I need. And what no I one's going to stop him. None what of I need is just like, like, this is what he gets. This is what he deserves. I need He's an like, animated sequence of just like, Kevin, you know when they beat up the Nazis yep. in that Rick and Morty episode? Yep. I, I just need, I was I just need thinking about on them. the ground with like everybody just kicking his ass. And, like, that Andy would be Sturgis. so funny. Yeah. And we wouldn't defend you. No. We would just like no. literally the oh, only person on. I we think that I would get in a to be fight. Like, and then we defended him against Vin Diesel. You know, the only Kevin would do it just like we never live it now. Henry Winkler. Yeah, I'd oh, but we can I. for you, Nick. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I, I think I think Kevin would jump in just to remind me for the rest of my life that he saved my life. I think Dude, the Kevin. wink might actually kind of turn a corner and be like, I have to defend this man. No, 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 no. I've seen the wink. I've seen him break Nick's heart. And he did not care. I'll just say <laughs> this. Henry Winkler is an emotional terrorist. I on. can't believe that happened. That was. <laughs> Do uh, you remember? We turned around and walked vividly. away so quickly. It was just like, we need to make sure to give him as much fucking space as possible. <laughs> I would. I, yeah. Let's. <sighs> okay. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, here's a weird thing, Tim. Uh, you're gonna mm-hmm. not going to believe this. But like, okay. So Charlie says goodnight to Memo. And they have kind of a moment, but not really. I don't think it works. And then the next morning, Charlie has to go to work. So she tells B, B, here's my Pop-Tart. Stay here. Don't fucking move. At work, she goes 
and her boss comes in and tells her that she has to steal. We're out of sticks. You got to go over to the frozen banana stand and steal sticks. And it's none other than an actor named Colin Holtz, who is a local SF comedian and my friend. It tripped me the fuck out when I saw him. I was like, is that Colin? I do his mic. He runs a mic at the SF Eagle. Remember I told that story about I accidentally peed outside and didn't realize that there was a mirror right next to my dick so everyone could see it? That's at the SF Eagle. It's his mic. He runs that mic. Isn't that crazy? That is I was like, holy shit. I didn't know you were in this movie. And yeah, I looked it up. Sure shit, it's him. Uh, It does a great job, too. has that really creepy mustache that I thought was really well done. It still has the long hair, too. Uh, Uh, Real quick, this is another moment where it's like, this character is suddenly a lot stupider than she should be. Do you need the sticks? Have you ever eaten a hot dog on a stick? Come on. Yeah, you need oh, yeah. the sticks. You now go steal some sticks. sticks. First off, how are you going to fry the fucking things if you don't have the sticks? Are you going to stick your hand in there like that kid from that one weird Netflix show? No, you can't do that. Um, oh, let's see. Yeah. At home, of course, B gets distracted by Conan. And then uh, this is a cute scene where he sees the dog and he follows him in through the door uh, and then proceeds to just fucking destroy everything, uh, but also discovers his little, like his war visor, like his tactical visor for the first time. He's like, oh, that's weird. Uh, he. Uh, when he jacks into the AC outlet, of course, he like looks and jacks it in. It powers him up, which I think starts to heal him a little bit, but also sends a signal out over the ethosphere that's picked up by Sector 7. Um, Memo hears outside. Memo is outside. He hears B destroying the house and calls Charlie at work. Uh, she heads home in a flash and discovers everything is in shambles. And here's where the, the fabric of this movie starts to break down a little bit. If Nick Scarpino... 16 years old was sitting in a house and mama Scarpino, Lance Scarpino walked into this house and saw it here. One of us would leave that house alive and it would be my mother. She would have fucking murdered me. And I don't mean like in the, Oh, my mom's going to kill me since like, Oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a tongue lashing. Mama Scarpino would have gone straight for the butcher's knife. I don't use tongue lashing in that. And she would have taken it. She would have taken that thing and just stabbed me right in the fucking head. No way would I have got, I would not have been allowed to leave my fucking closet let alone the house at this point. But she goes, Mom, you're just going to have to trust me. Everything's fine. There's some, whatever, something's happening. <sighs> anyway, uh, try, Charlie like, tries to- Real quick, I, I just feel like uh, in that situation, you walk in, you see that happen. Blame it on you, robbers. No, you walk out. You walk out and you're like, oh, they're going to find it first. And I was never they'll, here. They'll come yeah. up with the explanation. Yeah, That's my thing. I'm like, but that's the other thing too, is I, I, I would walk in and be like, the mom would be like, what happened? I'd be like, I don't know. Someone must have ransacked our house. I mean, would you like, would you clearly, immediately think my kid destroyed a couch? Like, first yeah. off, how would you destroy a couch like that? Like, oh, there's I no get way a that broken like that. Year old Haley Stein, you could do it, but Haley Steinfeld in her jean shorts and her fucking like her arms exposed, I'm not going to snap a couch in two with just the, the, the raw girth of her triceps. <laughs> Can you stop talking about her jean shorts? It's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know how old she is, but she's yeah, definitely. It's Huh? He's 18, bro. She's 18. Okay, but still, it's just uncomfortable because you're 40. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> you realize, you recognize I did not talk about her jean shorts until her birthday. She turned 18 right here now. We can talk That's about her true. jean shorts. That's true. Uh, let's see. Charlie tries to slip away, but her mom calls her out. And she's like, everyone in this family is trying to be happy, uh, but all you want to do is make things harder. And then she's, she fires back. She said, you found a replacement for my dad, and I never will. And her mom's like, fuck, you're right. I really got with Ron very quickly here. Uh, Charlie and Memo have a heart-to-heart about her dad, and Memo tells her that the darkest nights produce the brightest stars. And he goes, oh, that's a nice <clears throat> thing. He goes, my mom got it from Weight Watchers. Fuck, this movie is great. Um, Memo <laughs> tells Let's see. Uh, as they round the corner, of course, they run smack dab into Burns in Sector 7. Memo tells B to run, and Tina is all like, don't know. Do not run. 
I like this. He goes, run. He goes, no, do not run. Do not run. And then he starts running and he's like, fuck, he ran again. Uh, they bang out, but they run right into Shatter and Dropkick who attack them. Uh, B's tactical advisor pops down again, but he doesn't really understand what's happening. He starts scanning shit uh, until he gets ass kicked and tased. Charlie tries to help, but she gets tased as well. And they both pass out unconscious. Uh, she wakes up and it was all a dream. And the movie. That, that chase scene though, that happens. I think it was there. It's like when he's going through the the tunnel, like when mm-hmm. they're when they're driving. I really like that because it's again, it's Transformers where it's like you can actually see what's happening when like Bumblebee kind of goes around the the tunnel. Oh, that was that, that was, was the, the cop. Cop car. I'm sorry, I skipped that part. That was when they go through the Back to the Future tunnel. Yes. And like, yeah, and he's like going around the tunnel, and Fred Driver's like, "What the fuck is happening?" And then he super fun because. I said this back in the first Transformers in review, but it's just like they turn into cars. We should have some cool chase scenes. And it's like, it's a shame that we very rarely get them. And I think this one was a fun one. Uh, let's see. Uh, when she wakes up, of course, Burns is in air with Sector 7 interrogating the mom and Ron and tells them that B is dangerous. But Charlie uh, fires back. She's like, he's not dangerous. He's a good friend of mine and wants the mom to believe her. Uh, and then Ron tries to get in on this. And Bonnie is like, you know, when I was a kid, I used to steal Malabars. Uh, and then John Cena's like, yeah, we know. Oh, that was a funny was line. Funny. Yeah. Malabars, I think I said it wrong. Um, let's see. They see on the news that the military has set up. A, let's, uh, Charlie sneaks out of her window and heads over to Memo's house, but she's caught by Otis. Uh, she promises to tell him all about the Transformers and the secret if he just shuts the fuck up. Uh, and he's like, okay, cool. I'm a karate man, so I can be trusted. Um, they see on the news that the military has set up a base in town and figure, hey, that's got to be where they're holding B. Otis wants to come, but Charlie tells him he has to hang back and be her uh, cover for her with parents, which is a terrible idea because Otis crumbles like a fucking just folds like a deck of cards. Uh, the second was, he gets his story breaks down. I was very disappointed in that scene. He's a karate man. Like, yeah. He's only a yellow belt, you know, but I just I thought he'd have a little bit more honor and respect. A little more I fight know. in him. Yeah. Also, why does he look like he's 45? <laughs> <laughs> The fucking button. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see. Over at the makeshift Sector 7 base, uh, Shatter and Dropkick Torture B. Uh, they really want to know Optimus' location. But guess what? His memory is fried. Once they realize that, she goes. Uh, Shatter just authorizes Dropkick to drop him and drop kick him into the fucking future. Um, but when they do, he knocks a message loose from Optimus saying, you must protect Earth. If the DCs find it, then our people are truly finished. And they figure out, oh, my God, Prime is coming here. They're all coming here. This is our chance. If we set up, if we get all the Decepticons here, we can set up an ambush and kill the Autobot resistance once and for all. Of course, they're not really giving a fuck who's listening because Pal is listening to this and realizes that they made a terrible mistake. They're using he uh, he radios into CNN and says they're using our satellites to call in the Decepticon army and wipe out the Autobot resistance and probably humanity in the process. Uh, back at home, Otis tries to cover for Charlie, but just fails miserably. Uh, and then, of course, Shatter or uh, Dropkick pops Powell. Uh, Shatter or Dropkick, they, they put a bullet in B's eyes. Kill him, apparently. I'm not quite sure how. Uh, he goes down and he's not. He's dead. Charlie finds him and then uses the Sector 7 electric guns to jumpstart him, uh, jumpstart a spark. He wakes up and they hug and it's another cute scene until uh, uh, until Burns shows up with a team and basically blows the fucking roll door apart. Um, like uh, like Memo and Charlie, right? Like they this whole event will change them right like quite Whatever. a bit but also they saw a man explode in the goo. <laughs> like, that's got to have some long-lasting effects on kids Again, you know 80s I mean? kids very tough very really tough. quick just to, to jump to the end they all leave and she's just like all right i'm gonna just live my normal life with this corvette and that's it like that, that doesn't seem that doesn't seem like yeah. Anyone can just be like, all right, I guess I'll just pretend none of this stuff happened. 
I mean, you're forever changed and presumably like in Bumblebee 2 or whatever, they're going to strike up a relationship again. And maybe maybe it is sexual. Who knows? Maybe Gia's right. Maybe Bumblebee's not a teenager anymore. She's not a teenager. They're two consenting adults. The Dwanker comes back out. But we're not quite there yet. Uh, let's see. Uh, he wakes up, of course. They hug. And his uh, the jolt was just the thing. Apparently, I was mistaken before. The jolt from the electric gun was the thing that restarted his system and started to rebuild his memory core. It's not quite there yet as the door explodes and Burns comes in. He grabs Charlie. Uh, and he was like, he's trying to basically just subdue her. He's not trying to cause her harm here. But she kind of punches him a little bit as uh, a bunch of like B comes back alive. And then they start harpooning the shit out of him again, once again, proving that they just have a litigious just a, just an incredibly <laughs> liberal use of harpoons in this movie. Um, I just don't know why they have harpoons on these things. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> they start pulling him apart. He's watching Charlie as she's being manhandled by Burns. She hits Burns a little bit. He throws her to the ground. He's like, I'm tired of this shit. Everyone needs to slow the fuck down. And that is, of course, what B needs to uh, as, as encouragement. Just like Michael Jordan, somebody piss him off and he fucking runs shop runs a fucking clinic on these people starts killing them his eyes go red he starts murking people the visor comes down and then charlie has it has to yell at him to stop she doesn't want him to kill anyone uh she's very iron giant yeah very iron giant uh <clears throat> and then his eyes go from red to blue uh, and the old b comes back and he remembers her finally just like superman and justice league adventure remember he shouldn't kill everyone uh charlie wants them to leave but b plays the message again back from optimus if the decepticons find earth then we are truly finished and then charlie gets that she has to go with him uh, she wants memo to come uh with her but he offers to stay back and buy her some time with the local police who are coming and then just immediately fails miserably at that which i thought was fun um B and Charlie take off after Shatter and Dropkick as we race toward the climax of this film. Charlie's mom, Ron and Otis, are headed toward them as well because they heard over the radio where all this shit's going down. They finally they catch up with uh, with Charlie, uh, and uh, she's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And her mom tells her to pull over, and she's like, look, you got to trust me. There's some shit going down here. And Ron gets it at this point. Ron's like, you know what? I think this kid is is right. I don't I'm know how. I'm a She's cool being dad. chased by all the cops yeah. in town, but I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So Ron pulls a juke move and starts swerving and, and basically get, buys her some time. And then dangerous his whole family. Yeah. Which is a point that the mom makes here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like how she's like, he does it. And we have that fun scene where like a caramel smashes in and then another caramel smashes in and then another caramel smashes in and they think they're safe. And then finally car like flips over them and explodes. And that guy dies probably. The, um, then Otis fucking just goes <laughs> out. <laughs> like so unexpected. <laughs> I loved it. It was a, it good, was a good little 35 year old. This exactly. family shouldn't have worked as well as they did in this movie. Like this should have been stuff that like really super annoyed me that I'd be like, oh, get, the fuck up. get back to what I want. Right. They were just there. Enough. <clears throat> it was fine. Just I enough. liked it. Uh, we catch up with Shatter and Dropkick as they are preparing a sat tower to transmit their message using a surging green light device thingy. Uh, Charlie wants to help B, but B is like, this is too dangerous. I'm going to put you in this dumpster for safety. And when she asks why he plays a Smith's lyric, I would hate anything to happen to her. So uh, which is, And she's like, oh, you like the Smiths? Finally, I'm like, nobody likes the Smiths. They're fucking so pretentious. Uh, B... <laughs> Dropkick, fucking. I just picture Nick saying that like back in the '90s with his ponytail. <laughs> I was like, and then like people were like into Morrissey, and I was like, guys, come on, like Morrissey's no, come on. Uh, and, I mean, I have a fucking ponytail at the tail end of the '90s, Andy. Good. <laughs> It's the 80s, son. Be a dropkick, fucking get it on and uh, accidentally shoot a missile at Charlie. Uh, it's dumpster, which kind of lodges her free, and she realizes that she's got to get that green machine off that tower, so she spots a crane and runs over to it, and I love this shot because she's running as they're literally fighting above her um, and knocking each other in, and she's like running through her legs and shit. Very, very cool. Uh, let's see. 
uh, I, I just put a note in here. I like the choreography of B. Uh, there's this great shot where he gets thrown and he turns into a car and slowly kind of comes back and then hurls himself back at it. Which is a reference to the original theme song where Jazz does that. I think it's Skywarp throws him and he does the exact same thing. Cool. Fucking cool. And Jazz was cool. Jazz, jazz was cool. It's a big movie called Jazz and it's just about jazz. Uh, let's see. Shatter watches as the signal prepares to transmit. And again, I love, I just want to point out the design element if you're watching this movie again. The graphics in this are so tastefully done it looks like um it just looks like old school 80s graphics but they're 3d and so there it has a touch of modernism but it has a great retro feel to it very well done um it's the thing's transmitting it's going up and up and up uh let's see burns shows up and starts shooting at shatter uh which almost knocks charlie off the crane drop kick turns into a helicopter and starts shooting at b uh thinking fast b grabs a chain and tosses it into drop kicks rotor uh when he transforms back into a robot it's all tangled up and then b just pulls that shit and just pulls Fucking him cool as hell awesome. man uh, that part was so badass like I, cool. I didn't really expect that sort of uh little chain of it well not you know <laughs> chain of events but it was really really cool to see like the arm then the other thing and then the whole thing just explodes really really well done mm-hmm. so, uh let's see shatter blasts burns helicopter which then of course it uh, goes it uh, goes uh Racing toward the ground, it's about to crash, but B saves them, and finally B uh, Burns realizes, "Holy shit, this guy's on our side." I made a, I made a terrible error in judgment here. Uh, let's see, Shatter gets a beat on Charlie and knocks her out with a missile. Um, but oh, sorry, excuse me, Shatter gets a beat on Charlie, but uh, okay, uh, they fight on. Uh, let's see, sorry, let me back this up. Shadow gets a beat on Charlie, but then B knocks her down with a missile. And then they start fighting on the ground, but B is really no match for Shatter. Uh, he gets kind of cornered, and in the latch this effort, he shoots a dam that's holding back a water for this dry dock they've been standing in the whole time. Uh, the water rushes in, carrying a boat, which slams into Shatter and basically crushes her through the cement block of the dock. Um, B, of course, uh, is is stuck in the water below. Uh, Charlie up above finally dislodges the, the thing and stops the signal. Uh, and looking down, she realizes that uh, B is in trouble, not knowing kind of the logistics of robots and the fact that the robots can pretty much breathe underwater, but she doesn't know what's happened to B. She finally takes it upon herself. She has to get down there fast. What does she do? She finally dives, takes the dive, uh, and then thus uh, pretty much gets over her dad's death all, all at the same time. Boom. Just back to all state. She's going to be an all state uh, mm-hmm. uh, diver. Um, <laughs> Let's see, I, I really kind of hated this. I didn't, I, I didn't. I didn't love this. I didn't love the diving thing as as sort of a, a, a just a motivation. I thought I was like that memo and the diving thing. I could have done without here, right? Like we know that B. We know as an audience that Bumblebee is not in any danger. So her, there's nothing really motivating her from diving off a fucking fifty story tower into this water that's filled think, with metal. I don't think she thought he was like that. She was going to dive in and save him. I think she was more like, "What's happening?" If I get in the water, I'll be able to see, and it's going to take 10 minutes to go down this giant ladder. Yeah, but I just felt like – I felt like if they were setting up this diving thing, she needed to hit um, a a point where in order to save the day, she had to dive. Does that make sense? And like if, if for the motivation for the character, I was assuming that like – and they kind of wrote themselves into a corner. But like if I were writing this, it would have been like, hey, that device that they have is underwater. And it's in a small part and I have to dive. You know, I, the only way to get down there is, is this character who is, is scared of diving because it represents everything that she's ever loved about her dad. And if she she doesn't want to do it anymore because it, it's such a sore subject and it hurts emotionally. But in order to save our world, she has to get over that, thus getting over, you know, her father's death and then diving into the water. But in here, it's just like she just dives in. And I'm like, that's an unnecessary risk. Everything's over. 
this is dumb. But anyway, yeah. dude, the, does... the mom got remarried so fast. So fast. <laughs> it's insane. Um, they have a touching moment where B like she finds B underwater and he looks at her and she looks at him and then they go back up to uh dry land where they find Burns. Um let's see, uh nope, we're not there yet. The Burns catches up to them and tells them they're like, Oh shit, we're in trouble. And he goes, get out of here. And as they're leaving, he goes, Hey soldier. And he uh he salutes him. Uh to which B replies by what does he do to him? That's right. Thrusting his fucking, fucking up in the air. Awesome. Like it's the end so of good. And it's so good. Uh, and then, of course, as they drive off, Memo arrives. I just love the way Cena. Yeah. He's so, like, he's so he extra. learned it in the man. Marine. Man, he's, he's real Marine. He's so extra. Unlike Mark Wahlberg, who never fought in the armed services, but would have single handedly destroyed all oh, of uh, fucking Al Qaeda. Um, let's see. <laughs> Wait, is he a real Marine? John Cena? No, John Cena wasn't real. No, he was in the movie The Marine. I thought he was a real Marine. Mm hmm. No. Is he not a real Marine? I'll look into it. No, no, that that wasn't an autobiographical movie. That a... <laughs> Man, that would have been cool if it was. I thought I could have swore he was actually in the military, but I could be wrong. I don't know shit about wrestling. Uh, let's see. Memo arrives moments later, and it's that scene we're talking about where he's like, "You're too late, Chief. The world's already been saved." And he goes, "Cool. Can you call my mom?" <laughs> really good. Line. I like it. Uh, let's see. Charlie drops uh, Bumblebee off. At the, I think of them are inside of the Golden Gate Bridge. If I'm not mistaken, uh, and they say goodbye to one another. Uh, he has people counting on him, and so does she. So they have to go their separate ways. And he says, thank you so much for giving me my voice. Uh, and then she says, thank you for making me feel like me again and helping me forget about my dead dad, if only for a day. I filled in that last part, but you know, it's probably, it probably still burns a little bit. They hug one last time as she says goodbye uh, as they look over out over the Golden Gate Bridge. B spots a badass yellow Camaro, uh, which he scans and immediately transforms into. And I love this fucking line because Haley has the same reaction that I would have if I had been driving around in this piece of shit VW Volkswagen and it could have been a Camaro. She's like, you could have been a Camaro this entire time. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that would piss me off too. I'm like, wait, you can. I'm like, wait, you can change an any car, dude. Let's fuck. Come on, Porsche, Ferrari. Let's go. Let's go get Trip Summers yeah, and his little throw point, fucking, like, well, fucking rain gutter into me. Rain gutter. Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, B plays "Don't You Forget About Me" by Simple Minds, which again is another nod to the end of the Breakfast Club. As he drives off, and he pulls up next to and starts driving next to a truck that looks a lot like Optimus Prime. I'm not sure if that was supposed to be Optimus or it not. Is. Yeah, because okay. then we get the credit scene, dude. This right. whole fucking thing. I wish he didn't turn into a Camaro. I feel like that that cheapens the entire thing of this, and it like puts it too much into the actual movies, the Bayverse of the shit. But this fucking scene, man, you guys, I don't think you understand how much it means to me seeing original Optimus Prime on the Golden Gate Bridge. It's just like holy fuck. I w- I cried in theater seeing this, where I was just like, oh my god. And now here's a quick story, real quick. The day I got my Optimus Prime toy. The exact same truck that they have there. My mom took me to, uh, what's it called? Angel Point or whatever it is. No, freaking uh, Sausalito, which is yeah. across the right across the bridge, in my dad's car, which was a Volkswagen Beetle. Volkswagen yeah, there we go, there we go. Wow. And there's a picture of me with the Golden Gate Bridge behind me, holding my Optimus Prime, stoked as fuck. Seeing this on the big screen, it fucking hits me, man. And I want a Beetle. I just wish it was a Beetle, but still, so was- freaking cool. Was the reason they had him turn him into a Camaro? Was that the Camaro that Shia LaBeouf finds later? Yeah. It's like the same car. Okay. I mean, yeah, it I wasn't know. actually, but like Wait, really? yeah, it's implied to be that. I mean, it's a different model. Like it's like not the exact same car that they get later. Mm. Weird. This is weird shit. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, keep going. Keep going. But also, Bumblebee fought Hitler, and then, but Simmons is in this. Like also, I mean, there were Arthur is a real thing. Um, 
Later that day, Memo shows up at the house and they take a stroll to a small patio. And it's funny, you're, you're probably asking yourself, why did you call it a small patio? Tim, it's because I watched this movie on Amazon Prime where it's currently free right now. And I accidentally hit a keystroke that turned on the audio description, which is something I did not know existed. But apparently it's just where someone narrates all the action. And I got to be honest, I'm like, this person's doing a bang up job. I, I assume it's for people who are, who are uh, seeing impaired. But man, I was like, oh, this adds another dimension to this film. Um, let's see. Memo shows up. Uh, he tries to hold her hand. And she's like, yeah, you know, we're not quite there yet. And we're probably never going to well, be What an awkward and unnecessary scene for like, then don't build them having a relationship. If you're going to like at the end be like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't like you that way. Again, I, I think there's deeper implications here that they may have scaled back a little bit mm-hmm. uh, for the movie. And I'm, 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 I'm maybe I'm reading yeah, too much. She that, likes but to I, fuck I, robots. I Maybe that, or she just hasn't defined her sexuality yet. Sure. But I just I, picture I Bumblebee grabbing Memo and just like fucking <laughs> tearing him in half and put like it on uh, End credits, and then we get a cool little end credit scene or a quick little scene where Optimus and Bumblebee walk in the forest together. And Optimus thanks Bumblebee for keeping the planet safe because of you. Our people have a future. Uh, and then back at and we see the we see the other uh, Autobots coming to Earth as meteorites. Um, Back at Charlie's garage, she finally finishes, uh, gets the Corvette running, and I'm like, "Wow, that thing is fucking cherry." That's and probably not car. the kind of car you want to let a 16 or 18 year old drive, but this thing is dope as shit. Uh, she drives down the open road, very, very happy. All is good in the world, and then we get a fucking rad motion graphics credit scene. So tight, I love and it. I love how simple. I love just the big, bold, black and yellow colors. So so right. good. music, everything, oh, everything's popping. It's off just fun right here. It's just fun. Yeah. Um, so little little facts for you here. The test screening of Bumblebee featured many differences from the final theatrical cut, among them being a scene that would have entirely confirmed the movie as being a prequel to Transformers 2007. This credit stinger depicts Sector 7 agents stating that the Autobots cannot cannot learn of NBE-1's existence. NBE-1, of course, being what the group called Megatron in the 2007 movie. The shot would cut to Megatron in the G1 style the rest of the Transformers cast appeared and preserved in cryogenics. I would have lost my fucking shit. Um, This scene was cut from the final version due to Travis Knight wanting the movie to be largely one that could be enjoyed uh, without needing prior knowledge on any of the Bay movies before it. I those movies suck. I want this movie to be good. Totally. And it, and it works. References them as possible. That's kind of going back to my original point of this, where it's just like, I, I really wish this was the first thing and they made even less references to the Michael Bay stuff. Because oh, there's that, there's enough there that I'm like, fuck. Like, we're still stuck there. Un- undeniably, if this is how all of the Transformers movie kicked off, we'd be in a much better place. This series yeah. would have been so much more fun to review if they were like, let's start small Similar to how, you know, I, I, I hate to keep pointing back to parallels, but like, let's start small with MCU movies and just see what sticks and see what kind of storytelling people resonate with. And it turns out that when you tell a very simple story that's straightforward, you don't infuse four billion characters and keep bringing John Turturro and Josh Dumel back for no fucking reason. Uh, and then the parents keep, you know, the, it, this was just a very, again, we talked about, I forget what movie we talked about recently, but we really liked because it was streamlined and, and all the fat was trimmed out of it. But this movie is, there's a few things in this that I would have taken out, not the least of which was I would have just made the memo and her relationship more of a friendship and 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 less about, I would have made it a friendship of circumstances and not a, a romantic thing. Um, but other than that, it's, it's pretty straightforward and it moves and it's fun. And when we get to the action, it feels warranted and it feels <clears throat> validated. And then it's in and it's out and we're not getting a fucking... 45 minute long action scene at the end of this thing with people fucking skydiving in and other teams coming in. We just, that's it. We're there. They want to do this thing. She stops them. We're done. Yeah. Don't you forget about me. Simple minds. Good. 
Don't you forget about me. Um, let's do a little bit of that ragu bagu. Seven syllables in the middle. You'll need five for the first and last line. That's the wrong if song. you're not poetic, no need to fret it. Haikus don't need to rhyme. We're doing ragu bagu. In well, I guess now we're doing haiku interview. Okay. No, I know. I'm just fucking with Amy. <laughs> he slows down. can't hear you. <laughs> uh, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny, just like Josh C. did to write your reviews in haiku form. Uh, Travis Knight is great. Watch Kubo and the Two Strings. Fuck you, Michael Bay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, Grant Burton says, Haley knows her cars. First good Transformers movie. Hell of a soundtrack. God, such a good soundtrack. Engine 25 says, a car and her girl. Intro's best scene in the franchise. Why'd it take so long? Daniel Edmonds says, where is Marky Mark? Give us what we want. Kind of funny. Wahlberg in review. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Big Cat says, this movie has heart. Bumblebee murdered dropkick. Way too easy, though. Um, Ignacio Ross says, this combines E.T., robots, and a killer soundtrack. Now that's a great mix. Charles N. says, unbelievable. That someone hot as Memo can't get a girlfriend. And I mean, Memo's good. don't get me wrong. Memo's a good-looking kid. He's a good-looking kid. Not into him. She's not into him. Guys, again, take this as a note. Do not walk into someone's garage unannounced. <laughs> if you're not 100% sure that person is into you, just don't do it. It's gross. And Blackjack finally writes in, uh, none have been this fun. Bumblebee is a home run. Bay's terror is done yes for Thank now God. who knows I, I mean that's I the thing that. so we God. as of two weeks ago we got two announcements of movies there's gonna be another live action one and they're doing a big budget animated one that i really hope is just the first three minutes of this movie in a movie form so wait, i'm sorry, back up so what, what is the feature of the franchise what are they doing in i think it's 2022 and 2023 is going to be a animated like big budget spider-verse style awesome. uh, movie and then uh another live action one they're they're unclear right now they haven't exactly said what it is if it's going to be a sequel to this if it's just gonna be a reboot or or whatever but either way i'm fucking it let's go it it would be really cool if they built off of this and just kind of slowly i mean shed all the base stuff they don't need to play into that nobody cares all that stuff's confusing anyway just this is the first one start it off bring back john cena maybe later if you want start it set it in the 90s and let's go you know i think it'd be fun Ragu, haiku and review. We're just mixing it all up, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> because this is Rad Guys talking haiku, bad guys. Uh, your official podcast where we rank the bad guys of the Transformers universe. Right now, the rankings are number one, Michael Bay. Number two, Lockdown, Dr. Fraser Crane and Michael Bay. Number three, Sentinel Prime, McDreamy and Michael Bay. Number four, Michael Bay. And number five, Michael Bay and The Fallen. Ladies and gentlemen, where do we want to rank... <laughs> Where do you want to rank Dropkick and Shatter? Because I don't think Burns is a bad guy in this. I, I would say he turns, he's a good no, guy. He's no, a good yeah. guy. Largely, His he's just team, trying to do yeah, the right killed. thing. It was sad. I think, I think based on the fact that they are just straightforward bad guys and well-motivated because they're just part of this, their they soldiers in the war. Do, they got a job to do, and it's played by Justin Thoreau and Angela Bassett, who are great actors. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out that there should be number one for the best bad guys, but also this list, remember... Is actually just a way of shitting on Michael Bay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I so actually, we could. I was gonna say, Bay can we pu- please add Michael Bay to this? Because yes. like it just this movie shows how like good and fun a Transformers movie could be, and Michael Bay just shit on all that. So I still think yeah. he's still the bad I guy. Agree. Like w- so, so you're, you're what you're saying, Kevin, is like the absence of Michael Bay really shows you how bad Michael who Bay the true enemy is. is. So yeah. what yeah. I'm saying is it should be Michael Bay, and I'm 
I am actually saying his name should go first, then mm-hmm. the two characters who okay, I very so much enjoyed in this I movie. I enjoyed as well. Uh, and what I what I mostly enjoyed about them is that um, everything was kind of clear. There wasn't like there, there aren't all these uh uh the matrix of leaderships and the fuck like there's not a whole lot of bullshit lore that we don't need to know about in such a small self-contained story like we